Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And we're joined, of course, as always, by writer, producer, director, special features guy, collectible, Everything you can name, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett is here. Robert, how you doing? I am so collectible, John. Uh, it's great to be here. I can't wait for uh, this whole day to happen. It's going to be fun, fun, fun. Sitting right beside him, he's all about fun, fun, fun. Everywhere you go, it's Ray Aura. Ray, how you doing? I am Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, I got to remember when John's getting the show to turn on. I, I should not talk into my microphone. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, guys, of course, Ray, for those of you watching live, Ray's going to be with you guys in the live chat, joining you guys in there. And sitting beside Ray, we got Chris Cars here. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. I'm going to try to not overheat the camera with my baby Yoda rage today. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Every once in a while, the cameras will overheat. We had that happen it's yesterday. It's on me. I'm the fire starter. Yeah, well, that's with the red hair. That's what it's all about. <laughs> all right, guys. It is awfully good to have you here. And we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, before we get going on a lot of that stuff, though, I want to remind you guys, today's your last day. We have got a The Batman special screening for viewers of the John Campia Show. So we are having a John Campia Show fan event. It is going to be held on Friday, March the 4th, the opening day for The Batman. And we're going to have a screening of the movie with you and us, the crew. Now, if you want to score an invitation to join us, here's how you do it. Email me at john at thejohncampiashow.com, and here's what you're going to send me. You're going to send me a link to a YouTube video that you make. You can leave it unlisted, but you're going to send me a link to a YouTube video of you telling me in 30 seconds or less why you love the show and why you want to come and watch The Batman with us. And we're going to give a few invitations out to some of you guys who do that, and uh, we're going to be announcing the people who are coming in the next couple of days. Well, we won't announce it publicly, but we will email you and let you know if you scored an invitation. And we hope that many of you are going to be able to come and join us for that screening of the Batman. Okay, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you want to wa get in a live comment or question and you're watching live and you have to be watching live, you can use the Super Chat feature over there in the YouTube chat to send that in. But I am going to be turning it off pretty soon because we're already almost at our maximum number of super chats we, that we can take in and still be done the show on time. So if you want to get in a, a comment or question, be right on the show after the main topics, uh, fire that in pretty quickly because I'm going to be turning it off soon. Uh, at any rate, guys, with all that down, let's get into some stuff here. We're going to do it with a couple of off the tops. And the first off the top we're going to start with is this. You know, when the pandemic was starting to wane a bit and we were getting the movie theaters just starting to open back up again, I think the first movie I went to go see was Godzilla versus Kong. I think that was it. But if, if that wasn't it, it was Bob Odenkirk's Mr. Nobody or just nobody. I mean, Mr. Nobody's a Jared Leto movie. Uh, and, and it's, it's also, and it's also a character, a villainous character played by Alan Tudyk in, um, uh, what's Doom it called? Patrol. Doom Patrol and Doom Patrol. Um, at any rate, but nobody, it looked like a blatant John Wick complete ripoff which is not surprising because a number of the people behind John Wick were also behind this movie. And there's a lot of similarities. There are. So I didn't know what to expect from it, but I'll tell you what, it is fun. That movie was so much fun. It was such a great, like between that and Godzilla versus Kong, 
those are two movies that were great to come back into the movie theaters for. You know what I mean? You came back in, you had a blast, you laughed, you, you, you were excited, you had the adrenaline pumping. And I didn't know if Bob Odenkirk could pull off an action guy. I, I didn't know if Saul could pull off an action guy. But I'm telling you what, he pulled it off and it was really good. Now, it didn't do huge business at the box office. And to be honest with you, I watched it and it felt like a one and done movie. But I always would have liked another one. Well, guess what? According to Bob Odenkirk, it looks like they very well may be doing another installment. Wow. Of not better call Saul, but another installment of nobody. This is what he had to say when asked about it. He said this. We are working on making that happen. Universal has been very upbeat and welcoming. Derek and I have talked story. It's not a sure thing yet, but we're working on it. And I think all signs point to yes. I think all signs point to yes. And I'm telling you with the way this thing ended. First of all, Christopher Lloyd plays his dad, which I haven't seen Christopher Lloyd on screen in a while. So that was great to see. And he was Awesome. Ha- having a good year because he was in the tender bar too. Yes, that's and right. He's and he's got that great scene with the little kid at school. And um, I, I think it was Riza that was in it as well. And he was great in it. It was just a really weird, eclectic collection of actors yeah. to do this. But I had a lot of fun with it. And I'll tell you what, sign me up. Sign me up for another one. I, I am, I'm down to see this. Rob, you hear about Bob Odenkirk is saying that it looks like we are going to be doing a nobody too. Are you surprised? Good idea, bad idea? What do you think? No, I wasn't surprised. You know, I I hadn't seen nobody until I actually bought it. You know, I bought the Blu-ray, and I was pleasantly surprised. Look, you know, I love my, I I guess, when I say B-movie, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, it's not like Ordinary People or Lawrence of Arabia. It's nobody. You know, it's Bob (laughs) Odenkirk kicking some ass, and and I, I really liked it. I mean... I thought I like the the idea of the unassuming guy that turns out to be a lethal secret agent or, you know, that that whole thing. Like the long kiss goodnight, you know, Gina Davis. Not you don't realize she's just a housewife. No, no, she's not. I love those stories. And um I thought nobody was really good. And I thought Odenkirk was great in the role. So hey, bring it on. Why not? And you know, if it does well, why doesn't John Wick and him team up? I mean, crossover shared universe. No, no, if you watch nobody, you know, like there's so there's enough similarities there that you could easily make a crossover. Totally. You told. And I I mean, I think a nobody too would have to come out and do really well to justify John Wick doing a crossover with it. But if they did, I'd be all for it. Anyway, Chris, you see this, you surprised, you like it, don't like it. What do you think? I slept on the first nobody. So a lot of people did. I, you know, I should have seen this though, because I love Odenkirk and it plays into that kind of wise man's fear trope, right? You should be fearful of a, uh, a quiet man's rage. And so (laughs) I really should have gone and seen this, but I'm excited. I love him. I love that he's doing more stuff. I'll catch up on the first one and uh, let y'all know what I think about it. And it's, it's good to see, because remember he had suffered, what was it? A heart attack? Yeah. He had yes. suffered on set of Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see him back and being completely active again and ready to go. And if he does another nobody, I'm all for it. Question is for you guys. What do you think about Bob Odenkirk saying that it looks like they're going to do a nobody too? Maybe you didn't like the first one all that much. Maybe you didn't even see it. Maybe you loved it. How do you feel about this? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Uh-oh. Someone just pointed out that nobody is 90 minutes long 
It's a short, tight film. Yes. <laughs> 10 out of 10, baby. <laughs> you just slap the moon in there. I'm going to go on Ron Tomatoes right now. 10 out of 10. Wow. Wow. Right now. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to another off the top. And that is this. Uh, and it's something that would look like it was going to happen recently under the category of things I didn't think would happen, but it became more and more apparent that it would. Spider Man No Way Home which we've talked a lot about the last couple of months. Uh, one of the biggest films of all time, had one of the biggest opening weekends of all time. It just continues to climb and climb and climb. Running out of steam. I mean, it's been slowing down at the box office, but still eking right. its mean, way it up. I mean, it is February. It yeah, I mean, it's December. been out forever. So it's been eking its way up. And it looked like it was going to happen a couple of weeks ago, and, and now it has happened. Spider-Man No Way Home has now officially passed Avatar at the domestic box office to become, in a pandemic era, the number three all-time domestic box office champion ever. Wrap your heads around that. This movie, in a pandemic era, has become the third largest domestic box office film in history. Now, we all knew it was going to be huge and it was going to be big, but you know, I, I think I might have said a while ago, I said, do I think it'll catch Avatar? The, I mean, it's never going to catch Avatar worldwide. That's never going to happen. But if you'd asked me, do I think it's going to catch Avatar domestically? I've said, no. I mean, it's going to do great, but no. But it just kept plugging along. Lack of serious competition probably helped that. But still, it has kept plugging and kept plugging and kept plugging. And something I didn't think would happen, I don't think most people thought would happen, has happened. It has become the number three. Now, right now on this list, over at Box Office Mojo, they have not updated to the newest number, but Spider-Man <clears throat> No Way Home has leapfrogged Avatar. So Avatar is now the fourth biggest domestic film in history. Spider-Man No Way Home has eked its way into number three. Still $100 million ahead of it is Avengers Endgame. And with Spider-Man now making single digits at the box office, is it safe to say that it won't catch Endgame? I mean, I didn't think it would catch Avatar, and here we are. But it's still $100 million away, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking good money says it's not going to catch uh, Avengers Endgame. It's definitely not going to catch Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. That sits about $80 million ahead of even that at $936 million domestic, which is honestly a number I don't think is ever going to be beat. I don't know if that's a number that's ever going to be beat. And if it is going to get beat, it's going to get beat by another Marvel movie. It'll probably be beat by another, or another Star Wars movie at some point in the future. It's going to be one of those two. But at any rate, it has become the third largest domestic film in history. If we go over and take a look at where it ranks um, worldwide, worldwide, it now ranks as, let me just see if I can get this up here. Spider-Man No Way Home is now sitting at number six on the worldwide, all-time worldwide. Obviously, at number one is, is Avatar with $2.847 billion. Number two is Avengers Endgame with $2.797 billion. Then $500 million below that is Titanic at $2.2 billion. Star Wars Episode Seven at $2.06 billion. Avengers Infinity War at $2.04 billion. And then Spider-Man No Way Home at $1.8 billion. Number six worldwide of all time. Number three domestic all time. What, what, what was it? The number two all-time opening weekend box office, I think it was? I so. I mean, we've run out of words to use when talking about this phenomenal legs and you know some people still don't get it like some people will still write to me today and say why do you care so much about box office it's just money 
Well, that's if you don't actually understand what box office represents. It's not what box office is, it's what it represents. Box office represents what the audience is interested in. Box office represents the legs a picture can have. Box office represents whether a type of movie gave an audience a desire to return multiple times to the theaters to see it. It talks a lot, opening weekend box office talks a lot about the marketing campaign. What kinds of movies do the audiences want to see? What kind of messages are we sending to the studios about the content that we like to watch? There is The reason I focus a lot on box office is because box office tells us so much about so many other things. And we have run out of words to use to describe Phenomenal, incredible, unbelievable about the performance of Spider-Man No Way Home, particularly in a pandemic era. Rob, as you take a look now at this newest feat that it's accomplished, overtaking Avatar is the number three box office domestically of all time, a number I didn't think it would catch. And yet here we are. What What is left for you to think about that and what significance is there to that? Well, you know, it's funny because the Marvel Cinematic Universe in its entirety has done something never accomplished before in the history of Hollywood, which is create a franchise that is in its, is this, the is Spider-Man No Way Home? I know it's a Sony release, but it's the 28th film, yes, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I lost count. So 23 was, 23 was Spider-Man Far From Home, 24 was Black Widow. 25 was Shang-Chi, 26 was Eternals. So this would be 27. Oh, okay. I think 27? Sure. This is astonishing. And I think what it speaks to is when you have people in charge that understand their franchise, understand their audience, and understand the time in which they're making their films and their entertainment, it really speaks to how properly applied creativity and the proper collaboration between the studio, which is Marvel, and the studio and the producers in this case are the same, Kevin Feige, Victoria Alonso, and Luis Desposito, and the people they choose to work with, and the ideas that they can come up with. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, John, the idea that, hey, and they talked about bringing in Tobey Maguire and, and Andrew Garfield. There was talk about this years ago. And then bringing in these villains these are people that can think to themselves, wouldn't it be cool if, and then actually make it happen where they don't get a lot of pushback from somebody going, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Who cares about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Because that would be the conventional wisdom. And I think that this kind of success is a singular success. It's never happened before. I don't know if it'll happen again, but for me, I find it quite uplifting and inspirational. And I think anybody that says anything less about whether or not these movies are cinema or not isn't paying attention because they are defining our cinema today. <laughs> By the way, they can now say Sony has a top three domestic box office movie of all time. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, they're popping some bottles over there at Sony headquarters over there on Washington <laughs> Boulevard. <laughs> And the people that let's let's not let's not count out, you know, somebody like, uh, uh, um, you know, our favorite female producer used to run Sony, Amy, Amy Pascal. I mean, she's been a part of the Spider-Man franchise since its inception. I mean, all mm -hmm. the way back. All yeah, the way. And like it, Toby McGuire talking about uh, he's worked with her forever and that's why he took the meeting. Yep. And, and I mean, she even talks about throwing a sandwich at Kevin Feige. Yeah. But look, <laughs> look, uh, look what happened there. So. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this? I, I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't know what's left to say. I, I mean, it's yet another medal to hang on its chest. Spider-Man: No Way Home has reached another milestone. 
What what particular do you think that this one makes this one meaningful and what do you think this represents? I mean, I think I just got to echo Rob because that was so well said. This shows what people are interested in and these are without a doubt cinema. This is great movie making. And when we've had people in the past kind of poo poo on them, numbers don't lie, y'all. Right. Winning solves everything. These movies, these types of movies show what people are interested in, the kind of stories they're interested in too. And I love that over at Marvel, everything seems to be blue skies. That's what you want when you're pitching things, right? There's no bad ideas, there's no bad choices, only stronger choices. And that's what they seem to keep doing over there. And everyone that. seems to make, think that, well, it's just so easy. As if yeah. these comic book films, pshaw, that's, that's they're so they're easy to make. Easy. They right? make yeah. it I know. look easy, which is, which is absolutely crazy. But you know, the other thing that they're doing over there you know, I've always said, remember Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone? Yes. That whole thing came about with somebody, a lot of people saying, hey, do you think this movie could work? Do you think that movie could work? Do you think if they did this, it could work? I said, look, any idea can work mm -hmm. with the right script, the right filmmaker behind it who's got a visionary idea for it, and then great execution. And I said, you could make a movie, and I point out my words, it's like, Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, you could make that, because if you could make a Lego movie, Mm -hmm. You can do anything. Here's the thing. Over over at Marvel, Kevin Feige believes it. Like there's there's no idea you can put on Kevin Feige's desk that is too crazy or too dumb. He may or may not think it's the right one for them right now, but there's nothing as far as bonkersness goes that seems to be too far in left field that thinks that he can't sit down and go, "Yeah, we can make that work. We can we could do something fun with that." And then, again, I have loved the partnership between Marvel and Sony with these three Spider-Man yep. movies. Absolutely. I think what they have made is something really, really special. They've got a trilogy of films here that I think rival, don't surpass, but rival the Captain America films that rival the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Again, I'm not saying surpass. I'm just saying it's in the conversation with them. And I think they've done an incredible job. Now, I... I do think this is probably the last major milestone. Oh, absolutely. That that it passes, but oh my God, even if it does finish right here where it is, number three all-time domestic film, number two all-time opening weekend, number six all-time worldwide, in a pandemic era, when everything else is struggling to survive, it's just incredible. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Spider-Man No Way Home has now passed Avatar on the domestic side at any rate. Another incredible feat that, frankly, I didn't think was going to happen, and yet here we are, it did. What do you guys think about this? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, we've got one more off the top to do, and that is this. You know, speaking of the MCU... One of the big questions that has been floating around for almost five years now, ever since it was announced that Disney was going to try to take over Fox and they were putting in a bid to buy Fox, was, well, two-parter. One, when are they going to bring X-Men into the MCU? And two, connected to that, how are you going to bring X-Men into it? And for five years, we have heard theories and theories and theories. I've come up with theories. I've heard hundreds of theories. Rob, you've heard me say many times, I have yet to come up with or hear a good theory about how to bring the X-Men into the There's been some that are better than others. Some that are better than others, absolutely. But I've yet to hear one that I thought was like really legitimately good. Every idea I've come up with and every idea I've heard always comes with a major asterisk and or a major down point to it. Whether it's the idea of they just come into being now 
Well, then that erases everything about the X-Men, the history of them facing persecution in the world they live in and all that kind of stuff. It gets rid of that. The idea that they are here and they have always been here. Well, that creates problems continuity-wise and all that kind of stuff. And then a thousand theories in between that I have come up with and other people come up with, and none of them have sat right with me. None of them have ever sat right with me. Well, in the last couple of days, I started seeing this other theory floating around that I looked at it and went, eh. And then I looked at it again and thought, wait a minute. And then I looked at it again and I thought, oh my God, how have we missed this? I have heard now the best, easily the best theory I have heard that number one, fits canon. Number two, honors the history of the X-Men. And number three, could bring them in in a seemingly seamless, non-contradictory way at all. And Rob, you and I started talking about it before the show today, and you had just mentioned to me you had heard the same theory yesterday. Yeah, last night somebody said, and I, I you know, I, I, I want to give the website credit. There was a, it was reported. I'm somewhere. seeing it all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I, don't, might, I don't know if there's any one place we can. Yeah, point to, but, but well, I did the same thing. Somebody sent it to me, and I went because I, I was, I, I started. I'm like, you know, and I was thinking about what's already happened in the MCU. Yes. You know, and, and what's happening right and what's now? What's happening right now? And 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 after watching the Multiverse of Madness trailer, I was like, and and first of all, people have to understand the way I love Star Trek. The comic equivalent for that for me is the X Men. Like I I was a huge. I started reading X Men and Teen Titans kind of at the same time, like 1980. And they had their big crossover. There's a great X Men Teen Titans crossover, um, and I'm a huge X Men fan, and. Uh, when I heard this, dude, like you, I I had more of a knee-jerk reaction. Like, of course. I was like, that... Yeah, for me, it sank in. It had to sink Uh, in. uh, When I first heard it, I was like, that's genius. And I was thinking how, if you were going to do it, we kind of... We have the movie that it would be done in. So here's, (laughs) here's what it is we're talking about. The theory goes something like this, and there's a few minor variations of it, but it goes something like this. And again, let me set up the problems again. If you say that they just come into being now, then you're getting rid of everything the X-Men are supposed to be and represent from a DNA level. They are a, a, a living allegory, if you will, said said uh, Stan Lee, about you know, social you know, uh, radical social justice, the idea about civil rights, the, as, as civil rights, all that kind of stuff, the history of it, facing prosecution, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Here's the theory. It all revolves around Wanda Maximoff. Now, we all know that in the House of M, that the, one of the most iconic panels of comic book, at least in the X-Men world, in the, in the X-Men comic history, is the panel that is a close-up of just the nose to chin and lips of Wanda Maximoff uttering the words, no more mutants. In which part in the X-Men world of the comics, she eradicated 99% of the mutants that were on the world. Only a few survived and were still around. We talked on the show the other day about how, you know, one of the theories going around about Doctor Strange 2 is that Wanda is at the heart of multiverses being destroyed. And it's always Wanda. It's always Wanda. And she's going to be part of the problem. So here's the basic theory. That Wanda does not say no more mutants. But Wanda, at some point in the past, has said 
no more mutants. That there were, our world did have mutants. It did have that rich history. It had all of that. And that one of Maximoff at some point said, no more mutants. And not only did they disappear, but the, or the memory and knowledge of them ever being a part of our world disappeared. Yeah, reality them. changed. All of reality changed. It wasn't like Doctor Strange who made everyone forget, but literally reality itself changed. And and what I think is cool about this one, because you, you and I have always talked about the fact that in Avengers, uh, all Age of Ultron, when we meet Wanda and we meet Pietro, they were miracles, miracles and their yeah. power was generated by the infinity stones or the tesseract staff and whatever yeah. you know well if wanda said in the past at some point no more mutants that was what was established that imbued them with powers yes not that they were mutants but what if you think about the x-men the past of the x-men kang is involved kang went back to ancient egypt yep. for apocalypse you know an apocalypse one of not the but one of the first mutants all the way back to ancient egypt so by saying no more mutants you've literally changed the reality of our world thousands of years back into the past and then it would make sense that the only ones that got spared from her doing that were her and her brother yep so kevin feige present once once Marvel and Disney took over Fox. Kevin Feige was presented with an opportunity to retcon what he was doing with Wanda and say, okay, wait a minute. Let's change what we were doing. Let's now say this. And if at some point in this with Professor Charles Xavier, he can then reveal to Doctor Strange or anybody else that we mutants were populous. We mutants were part of the world with everybody else, with the homo superior. Our Illuminati, oh, yeah. Charles Xavier. Yes, the we homo superior lived amongst homo sapien and we we this and blah 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 and at some point it get the no more mutants gets undone and all of a sudden the mutant population returns like the unsnapping of thanos's thing they're back the world's remembering the reality is reshifted again they remember that mutants were there listen i am not saying and rob i don't think you're saying no that this is what they're doing in this in the mc right now but I am telling you, by far, this is the best theory I've heard so far because it covers all the bases and it checks all the boxes. Every theory I've ever heard has had some major, major glaring weakness. With this one, it's like, okay, wait, wait, that works. And it works there. And it works there. And oh my God, it works there too. Again, not saying that's what they're going to do. And not only that. I'm willing to bet you, and this is, again, I'm going to add to this theory that our friend, Mr. Boner, who showed up in WandaVision, the Quicksilver who turned out to be like a nothing burger. What if it wasn't a nothing burger? What if it was it was a first exploration into from the multiverse or somebody not, you know, saying we have to figure out what the hell because this entire time people have been watching Wanda Maximoff from other parts of the multiverse or whatever to tr Xavier's been trying to restore the mutants or whatever. I mean, call it whatever you want. You could even go even further and say that the entire Fox X-Men universe was what happened to all the mutants when Wanda took them out of the main MCU. It almost like they created a new reality. A new reality of something. And because now you have Kang running around, you've got Loki in the Time Variance Authority. All of this has been building up perhaps to the restoration of mutants in the MCU, which, by the way, would be so Marvel comic booky. It would be so awesome. I mean, it, if it was done right, 
I mean, uh, they're threading a needle here, and I'm getting too excited for it because if I read this, if at the end of the Multiverse of Madness, Wanda Maximoff said, like, if they were really cool, and I believe Marvel could do this, I don't believe they have done it because we would have heard about it. What if they were making a, an X-Men movie in secret? That they actually made, we, you know, they were able to keep McGuire and, and uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah, but a, you, you and I both know there's a difference between keeping a couple of actors involved in a project is different than a hundred and fifty million dollar project. I know, project with I know, but I wouldn't on put it. it past them. Wouldn't I, I it be cool if? No, I don't think they did that. But, no, but, but the thing that. is, if at the end of Multiverse of Madness or Quantum Mania, if Wanda mm. Maximoff says whatever to restore whatever she's going to say. And restore the X-Men. And, and then you just see all these actors they've cast. Because they're doing all kinds of cameos. You know, they've they've done reshoots with cameos. We don't know who they've hired to do these cameos. One day here, one day there. What if they did a, the last shot of Multiverse of Madness is 30 X-Men characters just showing up. Just ding, and that's how the movie they ends. Could, I mean, I, that would be a little bit of a cheap pop. I think that might Maybe. be a bit of a cheap. Like, I still think Feige wants to do the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. I think he can do the, all that. But still say, now this is the X-Men today. And have his own iteration of sure. X-Men and all that kind of stuff and move forward. But anyway, it's interesting. Chris, you've been sitting there listening attentively. I, what do you think about like this theory that's been going around? Like I heard it and I, I instantly went, how have we not... How, how has this gone under the... How have we not all been talking about this this whole time? I don't know. Yeah. You hear about it, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what are you thinking? I like the idea of this in a comic book format. I don't know if I like it in the idea of a film because I don't like things that occur off screen. So I'd need to see all of this play out for me. I like to be shown things, not told things. So- Oh, I think you'd get them shown. Have, and, that's, show and that's it. what would I would, I would it, just yeah. need from this as opposed to just like, this happened, da, da, da. But I'm, I'm sure the good people at Marvel would take care of that. I've also seen the opposite of this though, where it's her having the panel and they've just edited it out. So she just simply says mutants so that they exist. I think that's another way to take it too, but I do like it being wrapped up in her trauma this is why we had them be experiments or miracles or whatever, as opposed to mutants, because that was always just kind of hinky. I never yeah, really right. enjoyed I that. I didn't like that either. Um, and then, and then ma they made it work more with the chaos magic and everything that we saw through WandaVision. But I do think this solves a lot of continuity issues that comic book fans went, oh, that's not really what I wanted, which I know we don't always have to give them exactly what they wanted. The comics are different than the movies. But I do think this is a best of both worlds situation that would make moviegoers and comic fans very happy. And I have to say, you know, in the Secret Invasion storyline that they did in the comics, mm -hmm. we find out that some of our heroes that we thought were our heroes for years turned out to be Skrulls. Yeah. So it's not like this things that are the, the long game hasn't been played before. Exactly. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this theory that's going around that there were mutants? Wanda at some point said no more mutants, changed reality, and at some point we might get it back. I don't know. We're, again, we're not saying this is what Marvel's doing. I'm just saying it's the best theory I've heard so far, and I really like what I'm hearing. How do you guys feel about it? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, and before we get into our main topics here today, let's pay some of the bills around here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campion Show. Ann and I love these guys because they're delicious. The good folks at HelloFresh. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. So guys, look, my wife Ann and I were both working professionals, so we know how tricky, difficult, and time-consuming it can be to try to eat properly and prepare your own meals at home. And that's why, like over a year ago, we started using HelloFresh. 
With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, you skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and probably most importantly, affordable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your orders online or right in the app. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the exact same quality, and you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. So guys, I'm telling you, whether you are single or have a family, you are gonna love HelloFresh. So go to hellofresh.com slash campia16 and use the promo code campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that's again hellofresh.com slash campia16 and use that promo code campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts hellofresh america's number one meal kit again guys uh, ann and i use hellofresh <laughs> It's awesome for us. I think you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, and thank you again to the folks at HelloFresh for making today's episode of the John Gamby Show possible. All right, guys. With all that down, let's move into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the John Gamby Show? It's really simple. You guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? This comes from Aaron. Hi, guys. I just read Warner Brothers' statement refuting Village's claims, and oof, nothing about it reads like the statement that should be coming from a once-respected studio. <laughs> If what they claim about Village Roadshow is true, it also doesn't reflect well on them either. But why are PR teams of big companies engaging in mudslinging these days? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, uh, the, the drama continues to play out from the decision that Warner Brothers made last year to stab their creative partners and talent in the backs, sneak around like a sulky little cowardly thief in the night, and then make a big public announcement that all of our movies that we promised our filmmakers were going theatrical and our financial partners, we're going to just put them all up on HBO Max. Without consulting, talking about, advising, or notifying any of their financial partners, the people involved, and then they had to play catch-up. Then they had to scurry and scurry and scurry and scurry. There were several lawsuits. A lot of them got settled. They had to reach financial accommodating terms with other people. Things that should have been done before they made the announcement. The last film to suffer that fate was Matrix Resurrections, a film I really didn't like, but others did, including Rob. Like that film, I did not. It did not do well at the box office. And of course, that wasn't just because it dropped same day and date on HBO Max, but it certainly didn't help that it dropped day and date on HBO Max. Now, what we heard recently was one of the financial partners behind the Matrix film, Village Roadshow, who have done a lot of films. They were going to sue Warner Brothers for the fact that they felt they lost out financially because Warner Brothers put it out on HBO Max the same day and date, which was not their plan. That wasn't the deal. That wasn't the deal. It's like Lando talking to Vader. That wasn't the deal. <laughs> you know? 
He'll pray I do not alter it further. So that's that's all Warner Brothers was. Warner Brothers saw themselves as Vader. I'm altering the deal. Pray that I do not alter it further. I mean, that's basically what they said to everybody. Take what money I'll give you and just be happy. Village Roadshow got upset, said they're filing a lawsuit. Well, Warner Brothers has now responded with the second dumbest PR response I've heard a studio give. The dumbest one was Walt Disney making their response to Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. That was the dumbest, stupidest, most idiotic. Which is in similar circumstances. Yeah, which is similar circumstances. But that was the dumbest response I'd ever seen made publicly. They just made themselves look like idiots. But this one's the second dumbest. Because this is what, this is Warner Brothers' public statement, their defense to Village Roadshow saying, hey, you guys screwed us over and you broke our deal and we lost out financially because of what you did. This is Warner Brothers' response to this. Listen to this. This is from a rep from Warner Brothers who says the following. Village Roadshow's actions have been duplicitous and this dispute is equally contrived. (laughs) Village was happy to have their name on the credits of the film. Well, that's because they helped pay for it. And they're a producer of it and that was the deal. Um, traveled to the world premiere in San Francisco and held themselves out to be, to the media as producers on the film. But they have now reneged on their contractual obligations to pay their share of the cost of the film. Oh, wait a minute. You mean because you fucked them over, they refused to give you some money? <laughs> no! <laughs> really? That can't be! Anyway, they go on in their stupidity and say more. It is notable that throughout 2021, we reached mutually acceptable agreements on all films of the 2021 slate to provide additional compensation to talent and our partners in light of our day and date release strategy during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Accommodations you reached after you announced to the world that you were doing it without consulting them first. Anyway, the only exception was Village Roadshow which refused to honor its commitment to pay their share of production costs, rejecting the opportunity we offered to de-risk them from any financial independence. Instead, Village wanted to enjoy the benefit of publicly holding themselves out as co-owners and producers while preserving a free look at the ultimate outcome of the film performance without any financial investment on their part. I want to point out exactly what this is. This is exactly what's going on here. Warner Brothers' big defense is everybody else bent over for us and took it, and Village didn't. How dare they? Oh, well, we made deals with everybody else, but Village wouldn't. Oh, you mean Village didn't just accept your BS? And by the way, that's not casting any shade on any of the other financial partners and creative partners they have that did decide it might be in their best interest to make a deal with Warner Brothers and get that straightened out. Not any shade on them at all. But but Village, completely within their rights, said, "Um, yeah, time out, Warner Brothers. You screwed us over. You were pulling this BS about day and date release. That wasn't part of our deal. And no. The terms you are offering us to make this go away is not satisfactory. These are not satisfactory terms. And then then the Warner Brothers saying, oh, it's okay that we did that because Village Roadshow showed up at the premiere and said that they were producers on the film. That just, I, I am, look, 
the PR people at some of these studios, like I know a number of publicists in this business, and they are some of the smartest, sharpest, coolest people I know in this city. Like seriously, some of the damn coolest people I know. Because these studios have such smart, sharp people working with them, why do they insist on making their publicists put out statements like this, like the Disney one, that just makes them look like idiots? Now listen, let me be very clear. I am an observer, all right? I'm sitting on the outside looking in. I am not walking the halls of power over at Warner Brothers or Village Roadshow. I was not privy to every behind-closed-door conversation that they had. I was not CC'd on every key memo outlining every bit of information in this transaction between Village Roadshow and Warner Brothers. I am simply an observer looking at what's being laid out in front of us. And to me, simply as an observer, this looks damn obvious what this is. This is Warner Brothers saying, how dare you not bend over for us? How dare you not let us have our way? How We're Warner Brothers, damn it. And by the way, you guys know I love Warner Brothers. I've got friends at Warner Brothers. And I'm probably burning some bridges right now. <laughs> I got friends that I like very much at Warner Brothers. I like Batman, my number one most anticipated film of the year. I'm so excited for it. Yay. But putting out statements like this, just make you look sad, they make you look desperate, and they make you look weak. And Warner Brothers in this situation looks weak. You want to deal with Village Roadshow? Go to them and say, man up and say, we wronged you. What do we got to do to make this right? How do we make this right? Because you guys have had a long-term partnership in all this, and if they're getting upset for what you did, you got to sack up and say, yeah, this was our bad. We created this problem. It was our decisions that created this problem. Let us be the ones to fix it. Instead, going out and making a public statement of, well, they showed up to the premiere and pretended like they were producers. I, again, what, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? A anyway, I, I am just really discouraged when I see studios that I love, studios like Disney pulling this kind of BS. Mm -hmm. When I see studios like Warner Brothers, another studio I love, pulling this kind of BS. And we as fans should call them on this. Look, and the reason I say we as fans should call them on this is because a statement like this, this is them trying to use us as the fans. They're trying to manipulate us as the fans so the Warner Brothers can try to use us fans as leverage against Village Roadshow. And I'm sorry, but no. I love you, Warner Brothers. I love your movies. But this is bullshit. Anyway. Uh, Rob, now that I've uh, gone on that long enough, uh, you see this story. Uh, you've read over Warner Brothers' statement regarding Village Roadshow. What's your interpretation of it? John, I just did a little cursory research about the uh, relationship Village Roadshow has with Warner Brothers. They're, they first teamed up with the studio in 1989 for the movie Dead Calm. That was Nicole Kidman's big breakthrough role. That was 33 years ago. They have a 33-year relationship where Village Roadshow, it's an Australian company, has been co-financing movies with Warner Brothers. 33 years. They've had a fruitful, uh, and I think, I, I don't know if I was talking about this on my show or your show, they did things like Three Kings, The Matrix Trilogy, Deep Blue Sea, 
Uh, everything from space cowboys to exit wounds to swordfish to Ocean's Eleven. I mean, a lot of Warner Brothers' huge movies over the last 30 years were co-productions with Village Roadshow. There is There are very few financial relationships a studio has with a secondary finance company like the relationship Warner Brothers has with Village Roadshow. So for this to happen between these two companies is not something that you should take casually. I mean, this is basically Warner Brothers, I think. And and again, I'm not privy, obviously, to all the details, but it's amazing to watch this kind of public acrimony amongst partners that have been together for 33 years. And I can only say that the studio itself, um, you know, I, my, I, my first regular job in the industry was working for Bill Young, who was the senior vice president of physical production at Warner Brothers. That was my first ongoing job in 1989 and 90. And Bruce Berman, who runs who runs Village Roadshow, is one of the people that at the studio is one of the highest ups right underneath Bob Daly and Terry Semmel and uh, Mark Canton. And then it was Bruce Berman. And to see this thing happen is absurd. And it shame on you, Warner Brothers. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. The same thing is going to happen here that happened in the Disney and Scarlett Johansson situation in the Warner Brothers legendary picture situation. This is never going to go to court. This is what's going to happen is even after Warner Brothers made all their big blah, 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 at some point their own lawyers had to tell them, you ain't got a leg to stand on. And this is going to end with Warner Brothers having to write a big check. Why not just bypass the stage where you make a stupid ass sounding comment out in public? Why not just bypass that stage and just go right to the check writing? Because that's where this is all going to end up anyway. It's, this is where it's going to end up. Checks will be written. This will go away, and then they'll move forward. But, man, I just well, don't well, know. What's so that. strange is that, that Village Roadshow, they're talking about owning these IPs. And there's also, as I also have heard, uh, there's another thing going on here, which is Warner Brothers is moving forward using these IPs and is developing future projects based on IPs that they co-finance with Village Roadshow, and they are trying to cut Village Roadshow out of being co-producers or co-financers or co-owners of IP that Village Roadshow originally uh, co-produced. So the studio's going, hey, if we're going to do shows for HBO Max, we don't, like if they were going to do a Dead Calm series, eh, we don't have to pay you for that. So there's more going on than just the Matrix Resurrections, which I think is... It, that's that's really lame, to be honest. And I don't know why studios can alleviate this by how about doing good business? Or how about being straight up with your financial partners? Mm-hmm. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this situation? To me, it's like, uh, why, why am I seeing these studios I love, like Disney and Warner Brothers, acting like this? Anyway, guys, what do you guys think about this whole situation? Jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? Second topic is from Tommy Doyle. Variety, Variety just like posted. Like Halloween? <laughs> Variety just posted on Twitter that the Academy is thinking about having not one, not two, but three hosts for the 2020, uh, 2022 show. That name, that year still sounds fake. I can't say <laughs> it, it right. It does sound fake. <laughs> We're living in the future. <laughs> According to the tweet, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes will be hosting the Oscars. This was a move I never saw coming. I think this should be interesting. Should the Academy allow more than one host for their show? 
I'm overly pumped to see the Oscars on TV, and I'll love to hear your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. Yeah, it was on yesterday's show, uh, as we were getting into the last bit of yesterday's show, that the news broke that the Oscars, we thought they were going to officially announce today, but they let the news drop yesterday. They have their Oscar trio hosts. They're going with the trio. Now, they've done a trio before. That that has happened before. They don't do it often, but it has happened before. And it's a trio of Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, and Amy Schumer. Three individuals that I like. I mean, I really like Trainwreck. Uh, She wasn't able to really mount much after that, but I like Trainwreck. I think that's good. Regina Hall, I mean, look, she's one of the girls' uh, girls trip. The one, uh, I mean, that... That movie is so one of my favorite comedies in the last 10 years. That That is just one of my favorite comedies. And I love her. I do. Wanda Sykes has been in this business a long time. Again, I'm loving her as the voice as the Queen of Fables and Harley Quinn. But this is a terrible lineup. And, and, I, and I feel badly saying that about three performers and three individuals I like. But I like Ray. I, I don't think he should be hosting the Oscars. <laughs> he I think should. Oscars He'd do should, a great well, job. Well, maybe he should. I don't know. Oh, for Ben Fisher. It would Nothing probably I'd be watched. wildly entertaining. <laughs> I'd watched. I'd watch, dude. Moonfall. And nobody for best picture. <laughs> I, I mean, I I, I I like myself. I don't think I'd be a very good host for the Oscars. I, I will tell you what. I do not like this lineup. I, I don't like it at all for a couple of reasons. One, I, I mean, this is the biggest night of the year for my favorite thing, the movies. There there needs to be some sense of, I don't know the word I'm looking for, uh, whether it's cachet or whether it's um, prestige or whether there's like something along those lines. I look at this lineup of three people that I that I like and think this feels like the Toledo Film Critics Awards hosts. I, uh, I mean, and, and I again, I, I'm trying to figure think of ways to say this that doesn't sound like I'm trying to be disrespectful to these three individuals because I think these three are talented people that have entertained me at various points in my life over the years, really very much. But when I think of the highest night of the year in the movies, I try. I want to see the biggest names in the movies, the people with that have the biggest status in these movies, the people that might have awards their own stand, sitting on their mantles, right? And look, and I don't even mind the idea. You know what the Oscars have never done? They've never had three women host. They've had women host. They've even had three people. They've never had three women host. Never. It's never happened. But if you want to have three women host, that's great. I can think of a million combinations off the top of my head that would be better. For instance, let's go um, let's go Halle Berry, Viola Davis, and Scarlett Johansson. Who wouldn't watch that? Well, yeah. Who I mean, that is prestige, that is power, that is high high platform, that is recognizable names. These are great performers. You have the right writing cast behind them. These three could absolutely pull that off. With a lot. Let me give you another example here. Or how about another set of three? That's just one out of, the, out of my ass here. Kerry Washington, Kate Winslet, Sandra Bullock. 
I mean, this is a this. You've got awards-winning power. You've got relevancy today. You've got all. The, yeah, okay. You you don't like those three? I don't know. I'll throw another one out there. What about N of Stone, Regina King, Rashida Jones? Oh, I like that one. I mean, Regina King. You can't blame her for last year. That wasn't her. Like, I think she's a great idea to host the Oscars. So you've got Academy Award winners. Rashida Jones is absolutely hilarious. I mean, again, you just get great for What about uh, Lupita Nyong'o? And I don't know. I could come up with a Angela dozen. Bassett, Lupita Nyong'o, and uh, Meryl Streep. I mean, any of these combinations. Kyle, <laughs> Stan, Kenny, and Cartman, <laughs> baby. Just bring up the automated no, stuff. I, I think what you're saying is, look, if this was the roast of the Oscars, mm. you know, I would say fantastic. But but this is the biggest. That would be night. a great pre-Oscar night event for them to hold. Like roast a roast of the, of the Oscars. I, I, I watch the Spirit Awards. The roast. Yes, yeah. 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 It's it's the the but I think what you're looking at is 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 these are this is the best. This is Hollywood, the best of the best. It is. It's the glitz and glamour, and we're, we're exporting Hollywood dreams to the rest of the world. Whether you want to be cynical and talk about Hollywood patting itself on the back, giving themselves awards, whatever. I mean, I've been watching the Oscars since I was a little kid. I love the Oscars. And one of the things is you want to see hosts that represent Hollywood at its best. Now, I'm not saying that these three performers don't, but, you know, Wanda Sykes is more of a, she's been in movies, but I equate her more now to television. Same with Amy Schumer. She's got a new Hulu show coming out with Michael Sarah. <laughs> Good great. on her, you know, which is, is going to be great. But these are not, these are not, you know, movie stars. And I wonder, like, it's sort of incongruous. I mean, there's been talk show hosts and other people that have hosted the Oscars, but even those talk show hosts have talked to all of the stars that are winning awards. And I just, I, I, I find it baffling that this is who they came up with of yeah. everybody. I, I, again, look, this isn't going to drive the oscars off the highway into the ditch no I, I, i'm not saying that but, but what about I just, the like, worldwide audience are I, they going to know who these people see, are not only that but it's like we this is a return for the oscars because last year shouldn't have even happened they shouldn't have even had a ceremony last year but this is the return of the oscars and i just like really this is our best foot for again three people i like but there's no way i should be hosting there's no way ray should be hosting I, I like these people, but I, I just feel like there were better combinations. I don't know. You hear about this, Chris. What, what do you think of the, the trio they got? I mean, it is kind of an eyebrow raise because like we talked about briefly yesterday was what brings this trio together? I, we had talked about the Spider-Man or, or I had suggested, you know, we get the only murders in the building crew in there. Which, which that was a great love. idea. Right. That was a great um, idea. I think that'd be super, super fun. Um, <laughs> but I just don't understand why we have these three women who I respect and admire so much. I think they're all wonderful. Yep. What it really comes down to, though, is the writers of their jokes and everything. And yes. and you know, we know, we know that these women can deliver a joke. So I'm confident in that. It just comes down to how the writers are going to deal with this. And also some of the other options you gave us, John, they did have prestige, but we've seen SNL when a host bombs because they can't deliver a punchline yeah. or they're just awkward in that live scenario. And these are three performers who I do think thrive in a live setting. So I'm cautiously optimistic. What do you think, I, Ray? I think we should just do Two guys, the most important guys in Hollywood right now, Jason Killar and Bob Chapek. <laughs> Jason Killar and Bob Chapek hosting the Oscars, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I, Man, the look, fathers of streaming right there. I, I'm I not going to lie. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that to see them 
<laughs> trip over themselves. The chat saying the Muppets, and I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. The, no, we yeah. talked about that before. I love exactly. it. The Muppets. I love the it Mu- so like, much. All joking aside, the Muppets are Hollywood royalty. Yeah. The Muppets have history, and they're generational, and they're always relevant, and they're always great. I mean, I would take that. Elmo. Elmo's on Twitter. Elmo and his pet rock or his Elmo, little yeah, fun I know. Rocco, Imagine the band. He, that is not his together. pet rock. He oh, that's so that he doesn't he does not like Rocco. Rock. He does not like Rocco. I forgot about the that. band. Gonzo running behind the band leader. Oh, with Electric Mayhem playing oh, the music. Come yeah. on, and no one's gonna complain if the Muppets bomb. I mean, it's the Muppets. They're like they would. It's the internet, no, right? Gonna, because even if they start bombing, you got Statler and Wardorf up in the. Exactly. Exactly. The That's whole time. They've all the stupid and you jokes. And the Swedish chef coming in to do the interludes. Pretty, pretty. I mean, let, I, look, I'll, all I'm saying is th- there's a part of me that's uh, maybe a little bit butthurt because I just, I really, once, once it got brought up, I loved the idea of Tom Holland hosting and then you kind of add on top of that, what, have Tom, Andrew, and think because it would be appropriate. These guys kind of saved the movie industry this year. That, like putting out one of the biggest that, like this that one movie is singly financing the entire industry right now so there's something and people love there's something appropriate but again if you wanted to go with something like this i just think there are many other combinations of people that would have been a better fit. or snoop dogg and tom holland wouldn't that have been great <laughs> boom i would i would want to watch it i mean i i mean snoop dogg is just Put him in anything. As long as he's speaking, I, I'm going to love it. <laughs> but hey, listen, let me throw this out there, too. We could get to the end of Oscar night and be saying this was the best ceremony they've ever exactly. done. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, listen, like I'm saying uh, pre it happening, I do not like these selections at all. Even though I think all three of them are, are great. I don't like the selection at all. But I'm going to go into the Oscars with an open mind. And at the end of it, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and say, this was the best thing ever. At least I hope so. Uh, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But, but this you know, is what they got. I also miss, like, look, say what you want. When Billy Crystal would host, you know, Oscar, duh, he would have his song he would sing. And then he would do the whole medley, the montage. That was part of the show. I actually looked forward. I loved that growing up. I, I oh, did, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, I adored that. Oscar, you know, it was great. And that was part of the show. Now I feel that the Oscars don't have any show identity. Like when you had recurring hosts or there were there were tropes that they would play, I feel like part of what's the the problem with the Oscars is there is no more show. It's all over the place. And it's it's not focused. It's like, well, let's get rid of the musical numbers or let's keep changing things around. And they don't necessarily change things for the better. And it's kind of weird. And I, I feel like every year they're trying to grasp and let's make it different. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. You know, I really like the Oscars that Justin Timberlake opened. Remember that one? Did he? Oh, open when he the... sang the song from Trolls. Yeah, yeah. When he sang oh, the song right. from Trolls, and everyone was there. You know, I don't. That was the last Oscars I remember. They opened with a musical mm-hmm. number. They used to do it all the time. I, I look. I, you bring up Billy Crystal. I've mentioned this a dozen times. Whenever you bring up Billy Crystal hosting the Oscars, it still reminds me of I think the funniest joke ever at the Oscars. Steve Martin was hosting one year and he said, hosting the Oscars is like making love to a beautiful woman. I only get to do it when Billy Crystal's out of town, which I think was like the best joke they've ever done at the Oscars. But you know, when Hugh Jackman hosted it with the big song and dance opening number, but Billy Crystal used to be great. Again, I think they can have it again, but I don't know. I just don't seem to like the approach to do it, but who knows? Hopefully it turned out great. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. 
What do you think about the selection for the Oscar host this year? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really thrilled with it, but maybe it'll turn out great. Maybe it'll be awesome. Hopefully it does, and hopefully we all love it. Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And guys, before we move on to the next main topic, I want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of today's John Campia show, the good folks at ExpressVPN. We want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, ExpressVPN. So guys, if you've been listening to or following me for any period of time, you guys know that one of my big concerns is often online privacy. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. Now, I know what a lot of you guys are probably thinking. You're thinking, well, why don't you just use incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website that you visited. And listen, it doesn't matter who your internet service provider is. Internet service providers in the US can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider can't see the sites that you're visiting. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. And ExpressVPN is available on all your devices. I mean, your phones, computers, even your smart TV. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash campia, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash campia, expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. So guys, protect your online privacy and thank you again to the folks at ExpressVPN for sponsoring the John Campia Show. All right, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one's from Justin. It's starting to look a lot like the Lord of the Rings content is coming after a long time without any. The Rings of Power trailer was great and now I'm reading that a full anime movie is coming about the old king of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand. Do you think this is the start of a flood of Lord of the Rings content, or do you think they'll limit it to the show and the odd movie project every couple of years? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Justin. And of course, the other day we were talking about the fact that they released their kind of first announcement teaser about the Lord of the Rings show that's coming. Didn't really tell us anything. They just kind of gave us a glimpse of what can we can expect from the, at least the production value of it, I hope at any rate. But then out of nowhere came this announcement that they're doing an anime film that's going to come out in 2024, so still a couple years away, called, and I got to tell you, I love the title, War yeah. of the Rohirrim. One of my favorite aspects of the Lord of the Rings films is Rohan. And the King of Rohan and the Ride of the Rohirrim and all that kind of stuff. I loved it. And then Helm's Deep and all that, everything. Well, it looks like they are doing a movie. This comes to us from the folks over at Deadline who write the following. For those who can't have their fill of Lord of the Rings in the upcoming Amazon series, there's the Lord of the Rings, The War, The Rohirrim, anime movie from New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation, which the studio has set for release on April 12th, 2024. Not April 21st, uh, as was reported by others. That's a Sunday. Warner's already has the release date RSVP'd for a New Line movie on the calendar, and this is obviously the one they had RSVP'd for. 
The movie explores and expands on the untold story behind the Fortress of Helm's Deep, delving into the life and blood-soaked times of one of Middle-earth's most legendary figures, the mighty King of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand. I'm not going to lie to you. This is awesome. This sounds great to me. I love the sounds of this. Everything from the whole idea about going into the the, the background of Helm's Deep, uh, Helm Hammerhand, all that kind of stuff, Lord of the Rings. I mean, uh, granted, when I think of Lord of the Rings animation, I think of the, um, oh, what is the name of the company that was behind oh, those wow, animations? Ruskin. I can't remember the name of it. But, you know, whatever. You know what? Those, those animations still, the very round-faced hobbits, those things have a very special place in my heart, those little animated films. I love those ones. But I'm telling you what, I hear about this. This sounds great. Now, do I think they were asking in the email, Abbas Rankin, thank there you very you. much, uh, Walter, in the live chat. Um, do I think that this is them about to throw open the floodgates of Lord of the Rings material? I don't think so. I mean, the fact that we've they've been working for years on this one show coming to Amazon, and now we've got this anime movie that's still years away. I mean, if we get something new every two to three years, I mean, listen, the floodgates is what Marvel is doing with three or four shows a year and two or three or four movies every year. And that's floodgating this. I think they're going to take a much more cadenced approach to it. And listen, I'm all for it. I think this sounds great. I, the one I'm hearing so far sounds wonderful to me. I'm all in. Rob, you hear about this? What do you think about the sounds of, of the War of the Rohirrim? Yeah, I did a, a an episode of my own YouTube show back in June of 2021 about when they announced this. And I thought, yeah, man, I'm I'm totally in. Because, you know, the Saul Zantz company, Saul Zantz, who produced like Amadeus, and he made, they originally had the rights to this, have announced that they're giving up their rights to Lord of the Rings and their right because they made the animated the animated Lord of the right. Rings film and I believe they did the Return of the King the animated Return of the King for TV and the Hobbit and stuff so there's a lot of stuff going on I think everybody's jockeying around to get the last bits of their rights or their yayas out before Amazon now <laughs> yeah, yes. you know they're they're getting whatever they can before they and, and like you John I think this is a really interesting idea and again it goes back to Tolkien's lore and I think that 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 there's so much rich lore backstory that is documented in appendices and the Silmarillion and and everything and all of his notebooks that it's cool that they're going back and and doing this but again it depends on how how great the writing is because these characters unlike the lord of the rings and the hobbit they were given voices so we knew how tolkien wanted them to speak none of these characters really have those voices so i as long as it's well written i'm in chris mother of gimli son of gloin yeah what do you think about this is this like do you just want them to focus on live action do you like the sounds of the anime what are you thinking about this well john as a voice actor i'm so freaking hyped <laughs> I knew you i'm gonna, gonna go annoy there. the shit out of my agent i'm gonna get back into dialect coaching with logan oh man i'm so excited about this two of my favorite things coming together one of my favorite formats and one of my favorite ips is it my birthday? <laughs> Give it to me right now. I'm really excited about this. You got time, too, to get in on that voice acting. I, oh, Come on. God. I, if I don't get to be some little one-off in there, I'm going to be so sad, y'all. Oh, 
What do you think about which story they've decided to go with here? Like they decided to go backwards. They decided Mm -hmm. to go back into the past, which is what the show is doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about them selecting this era and focusing on Rohan and stuff like that? Right choice, wrong choice? I think this is great because, you know, these these people of the horse, right? They're so fun. They're so interesting. We've got all these kind of Germanic lore that we're based off of that we can really, really focus on here. And we can get really, really violent with it because it's anime. That's true. We can get real bloody. And I really hope we do. That's one of the great things about these kind of properties we've seen go to animation is that we can have epic battles and who better to do that with than these warriors i think it's going to be an excellent choice all right guys question for you what do you think about the sounds of war of the rohirrim i'm personally loving the idea i think this has a lot of potential could be terrible we'll see do you like the idea do you not like the idea whatever you guys are thinking jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today that we're already giggling about? The fourth topic comes from Holden Myers. Wonder Tune Powers, activate! Woo! Hey, John, I can't believe it's actually happening, but it's actually happening. Did you see that WB is making a Wonder Twins movie with the guy who directed Black Adam? Is this serious? There have been a couple of pranks over the years about a movie, but they obviously were never true. Do you think they'll actually make this? Who is the audience? Who are they making it for? Thank you. Okay. In not many days, I come in to do the John Campia show where I am completely dumbfounded. (laughs) Today is one of those days. (laughs) You know, I always say, never say never. Never say never. For Wonder Twins, I've always said never. (laughs) They're never going to do Wonder Twins. Come on. Who wants a wonder twins movie and over the years there have been like you said in the email there have been like some jokes made over the years like you i can't remember what it was remember there was that one photo of like there was a wonder twins poster that somebody took a picture of it was all a gag but a lot of people believe oh my god they're doing a wonder twins movie this was like eight years ago or something like that there was some like homage and winks to wonder twins in the cw universe that they didn't have i think it was had to do with gleek or something like that they never actually went there. Now, for those of you who don't know really what we're talking about, the Wonder Twins, Zan and Jaina, are two alien twin brother and sister who have, uh, with a, a little pet monkey named Gleek. Gleek. Who were a part and created for the animated Justice League cartoon show back in the day. And they had the ability to transmorph themselves into different things. The sister with the incredible power to transform herself into any animal she chooses to. What has to happen is, for some reason, the two of them have to bump fists. And as they're bumping fists, say, Wonder Twin Powers, activate. In which case... They have to speak English. Yes. Jaina would say, shape of a polar bear. A, A great white shark. An eagle. And she had the power to turn herself into any animal she wanted to. Zan, as my father would say, and this was one of my dad's favorite quotes, Zan was as useless as tits on a bull. Because Zan, he didn't get to turn into an animal. He would get to turn into some form of water. Quite often, at least half the time, when I remember as a kid growing up watching the show, she was like, shape of an elephant. And then Zan be like, 
form of a bucket of water. And he would literally turn into a bucket of water, which Zayna would pick up with his trunk, her trunk and carry him around. It's like, man, you are useless. But that's what these guys are. All right. The Wonder Twins. And awesome. <laughs> Why is that not awesome? Because of how stupid it is. Form of a bucket Come of water. On. Twins need representation Form too in Hollywood. Ice. <laughs> So don't twin hate. That's what Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger are for. Yeah, yes. we need a newer. This will be the newer. This will be the newer, better version. So, I mean, I would always say, like, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I'd bet a dollar, but I wouldn't bet a hundred dollars against it. I would have bet a thousand dollars that they would never make a Wonder Twins live action yeah. thing. It's a good thing I didn't make that bet because I'd have to be paying up today. This comes just from the folks over at uh, CBR who write the following. Well. The Wonder Twins themselves uh, kind of... Okay, this is from a quote of the guy who was writing them in the comic books recently. He says, well, the Wonder, the Wonder Twins themselves, I kind of view as one really good, well-adjusted person tragically split in half. So they basically, they're basically incomplete, which I think is the way every teen feels, Russell previously told CBR. They're dealing with deep deficits in their personality and they feel awkward and alienated because of it, not realizing that everyone else feels exactly the same way that's the sort of dynamic i wanted to give the wonder twins they are deeply alienated teenagers who are just beginning to work out who they really are <sighs> i wanted them with superpowers to go through the same process i think every teenager goes through whether or not they have any superpowers so that's the comic book writer talking about this a couple of years ago about what way he wanted to approach them in the comic books i will say this <clears throat> the one way I could see a Wonder Twins possibly working is if they went, what's the damn Archie show called? Riverdale. Riverdale. If they totally went Riverdale on this, where they took Archie and the kids in Archie and made them moody teenagers having sex and facing scandalous, scandalous <laughs> and facing their first, you know, no, Betty. <laughs> their first struggles with alcohol and and you know like and there's murder in the pixie sticks it's hysterical oh where they're God. like oh man i got that jingle jangle and you're like shut the that's fuck what they up, call Veronica. the jingle jangle yeah. that's right and Anne and Corey, you used to watch this show and i remember i would walk through the room sometimes when something was going on and i'm like what the fuck is happening on that screen it's jingle jangle it's their drug of choice anyway if you wanted to take the Wonder Twins and go dark and moody, teenage, oh, woe is us kind of mentality, maybe there's something there you could do. This, this ain't going to work. And I'll go out on a limb right now. So basically, let's go. This is what's going on for those of you guys who want to know exactly what's going on here. Okay, so here's the thing. So uh, Warner Brothers, this comes from the folks over at CBR who write, Warner Brothers is developing a Wonder Twins film for HBO Max. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the project simply titled Wonder Twins, which, by the way, is a title that will never work, um, is being written and directed by Black Adam screenwriter Adam Stiskeel, uh, with Martin Bowen and Wick Godfrey producing from Temple Hill, uh, created by Norman Marner, William Hanna and uh, Hannah and Joseph Barbera. Uh, the Wonder Twins are a pair of siblings named Zan and Jaina, 
with the power to transform into any state of water, Zan, or animal, Jaina, after touching hands and shouting, Wonder Twin Powers Activate. The twins debuted in 1977's The All-New Super Friends Hour uh, and were frequently accompanied by their blue alien pet monkey, Gleek, along with the members of the Justice League. So right now they are developing this thing, the director and writer of Black Adam, which, I don't know, might be awesome, might be terrible. We'll, we'll have to wait and see is wanting to develop this. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say this. This will not happen. (laughs) This won't get made. Now, the one thing that makes it kind of believable and maybe plausible is the fact that they're saying, oh, yeah, we're not going to try to sneak this into movie theaters. This will be an HBO Max thing. Yeah, because with HBO Max, you can try anything. I mean, you you can Mm -hmm. use that as your sandbox. I'm willing to make a bet. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. That they will make it Mm. and you will actually like it i will love it i just have a feeling about this you know idea like if they go super kooky and like super rated r i think it would be pretty funny i mean hey, james gunned it up at, 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 at first like when this uh story came up <laughs> um i i thought galaxy quest remember the aliens are gone i love I galaxy quest you don't yep. go nah, 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 whatever yeah. yeah i actually thought that that's what came up in my head and i was like that could work if they got some good, um, you know, actors, maybe some funny lines, whatever. I don't you know. I, I'm down for saved this. Us. I'm down for something different, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you what. Yeah, okay, you know what? You just, both of y'all just changed my mind. Well, and there's a storyline that does work for them. <clears throat> there is? So if you watch Justice League Unlimited, there's a really, really gro- uh, great episode about the Ultimen. And this is where it's a Project Cadmus thing where they created these superheroes and the Wonder Twins are among them. They're just not named the Wonder Tri- Twins. There's something like Shifter and Downpour or something like that. But the the one who turns into the form of water fills up a room and is drowning people. It is so gnarly. It's no, so great. You do that and you James gun it up. Yep. You take James gun it Peacemaker up. and... James gun it up, make it an R-rated thing on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. You've got my attention. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, do you that, can even you got my attention in, in an episode of Euphoria. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, maybe you do all that. <laughs> you know. Mix in the Red Shoe Diaries, Euphoria, Justice League Unlimited, Riverdale. You Wet make t-shirts. That, um, Wet because t-shirts. that guy turns into water, why not? Just land on whatever. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm just I saying. love that that's where you went, Ray. What but Ray what would do is super. I, I couldn't even think of anything else. What would you do with water? Drown someone? Oh, ev- everyone. Well, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. You drown people. Yes. That's it. Come on. You got to yeah. have some fun, too, if you're water. Ice spike. Form of an ice spike. I'm freeze myself. Else. I mean, you could yeah. go really, really dark you with something. Really like dark, Rob. You know, you, you, you could, like, if you were, if you liked a girl, turn yourself into a glass of water so, so she would drink you just so you could go through her and see what <laughs> she would feel like. That's no one wants. Oh, oh my God! Gun thing. Come on. <laughs> this is James Gunn. Form of I need a shower. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, no. It could be, but it, it, look, I think these characters were they were goofy when they were introduced. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I never liked even in the first Justice League when they had Wendy and Marvin and their dog, and then it was the Wonder Twins replaced Wendy and Marvin, mm-hmm. which I but was bummed out by. Yeah. But it, again, John, I think this. While goofy, it could work if it's done correctly. I never would have thought Peacemaker would have worked. Well, listen, I, I honestly don't think there's a correctly way to do it until you guys just say, James, gun it, go hard R, make it whatever. Because, look, 
the only way you can really do something as ridiculous as Peacemaker is to go that route. I think the only way you can do something as ridiculous as this is to go exactly the route you're talking about. You do that, maybe you got something. I still don't think it's going to happen. But is that really the, the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever said on the show? But make the lines porn. <laughs> oh, yes. What's that? Make the line super corny like the <laughs> cartoons were. We'll get you next time, super dick. <laughs> oh, yes. You got to have that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But, you know, of all the pantheon of DC characters, the hundreds of characters, this isn't even a real DC Comics character. This was created, created by Hanna-Barbera from the yeah. cartoon show. I mean, they they, they were then I mean, Harley Quinn, admittedly, was created yes. for the... And she was then put in the comics. The Wonder Twins were put in the comics. So, I don't know. The question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Do you like the idea? Do you think it's even going to happen with the Wonder Twins? I honestly don't know. I have never heard anybody tell me. You know what we really need? Wonder Twins movie. I want a Booster Gold and Blue Beetle movie. Yes, please. Yes. Come on, man. I want that so much. I mean, I really want it to be Nathan and Alan. Oh, my. I was just about to say the same thing. I want it so bad. You put Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk as Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Oh, wow. That that sells itself. Like, completely sells itself. I would watch that on a loop. No cameo on the Wonder Twins, you know. By the way, did you see that Nathan (laughs) Fillion is in Resident Alien? No, I'm still not caught up. He's the voice of the octopus. I didn't even realize that till I read it afterwards. The octopus that he sees in the restaurant that he goes into is the octopus in the thing. It turns out octopus are descendants of the same aliens, and then, <laughs> okay. and they can speak telepathically. Y'all are gonna make fun of me, but I genuinely think that, and I I don't like to eat seafood. After watching Octopus Teacher, I was like, I can't eat them. They're sentient beings that are really really wonderful. I'm Italian, and I can't eat calamari. Yeah, I, I just don't like. It. Anyway, guys, missing out. Okay, you guys are missing out. Come on now. Rob, what do you, you guys think about this? I will unapologetically jump down into the comment section below and let. Let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down, let's move into main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? This one comes from Kevin. Greetings and salutations from Madrid. Ooh. Love the show, guys. Love Spain. I personally think you've been too hard on the book of Boba Fett. (laughs) I thought it was a fun and exciting show with a terrific finale. That's cool. I know it's all subjective. I did want to know what you thought about Boba Fett getting much bigger ratings in their final episode than Mandalorian did in its final episode. I think the show's people were excited about it all the way through. What do you think? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, listen, look, we have been a little rough on Book of Boba Fett. Yes. I I thought the finale was, was one of the stronger episodes, but overall, I did feel kind of disappointed with the show as a whole. But, I mean, there are people who really did quite enjoy it, and you are clearly one of them, and that's awesome. I'm glad that you did. I wish I liked it as much as you did. But, I mean, I don't think you're going to find a lot of fans. I'm sure there are some, but I don't think you're going to find a lot of fans that like the Book of Boba Fett series better than Mandalorian series, which is kind of funny because it's done by the same people, same writer, same executive producer, same showrunner, and the vast, 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 I think it's safe to say. I think I am in safe territory to say that the vast majority of the fans preferred the Mandalorian series, both season one and season two over the book of Boba Fett. But then you come across some interesting statistics because if I had told you, Hey, did you know that almost a third more people tuned in to watch book of Boba Fett than tuned in to watch the episode where Luke shows up at the end of Mandalorian season two, you might think you're crazy, but we're not. This comes to us from the folks over at Deadline who write the following. 
The momentum and excitement for the first season of Book of Boba Fett certainly carried through to the finale, observed Cole Strain, Samba TV's head of measurement. In fact, the 1.5 million U.S. households watching the debut season's finale throughout the weekend was 36% higher than the Mandalorian season two finale. 36% higher than the Mandalorian season two finale. Disney has done a great job creating strong original content that keeps viewers engaged and coming back for more. All right. There's something he says there at the end. Coming back for more. Whatever people said, whether it was me with some of my complaints or, you know, the couple of the episodes I liked and a couple I didn't, but even with me with my complaints and a lot of the other people online with their complaints, amongst all the complaining, you know what they didn't do? They didn't stop tuning in. They kept coming back. Every week, you can say you dislike something all you wanted. <laughs> you kept coming back. That's right, baby. <laughs> you kept coming Whoa. back. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> right there is the whole base. Don't of act like you didn't life. want it, baby. Wow. You kept coming, you kept back. coming wow. back. Wow. Oh, boy. So say what you want. I mean, look, you walk into a pizza shop, you take a bite of the pizza, you say, that pizza was crap. People call you an idiot if you go back to the same restaurant the next night. <laughs> yeah. But here we were. We're all saying, oh, complain, complain, complain. We kept going back. All the way through to the finale, that 36% more people tuned in to watch than that iconic episode of the X-Wing fighter coming onto radar, landing in the bay, and then Luke Skywalker showing up with his lightsaber in tow and wrecking shop. 36% more people watch this. The question is, what are the takeaways from that? What do we learn from that? I think there's a couple of things we learn. I think well, the first thing, and certainly not the biggest, is a lot more people like this show than we give it credit for. Because, again, nobody stopped watching. And that includes not just the hardcores, that includes the casuals. They were tuning in, they were watching it, and they watched it all the way through. Nobody jumped ship. I jumped ship on shows. When, when a show I'm, I'm investing time in and investing hours of my life in, if it is not delivering for me, instead of complaining about it, I say, okay, I tap out. And, and, uh, and then I check out. I wish I Book could do Boba that. Fett. Oh, Siri was somehow talking to me for some reason. But at any rate. <laughs> She's got an opinion. You know, you, you tap <laughs> yeah. out and you say, I'm done. Right? And you move on. You move on to watch something you do like. But the casuals, the hardcores, whatever, we'll watch it all the way through. And more so than this. Another thing I think we learned is that Book of Boba Fett is built on the shoulders of the success of Mandalorian Season 1 and 2. The Book of Boba Fett got to enjoy the momentum of Book of, of Mandalorian Seasons 1 and Season 2. It was the beneficiary of that iconic last episode of Luke showing up. And that power, that momentum, that inertia brought everything in to Book of Boba Fett. And especially with Boba Fett's appearance in Mandalorian Season 2, which is one of the best episodes of Mandalorian. That all carried over. And I think the third thing is, with these short series, knowing that they're sh so short, and they are too bloody short, but it's like, eh, it's got to get better. <laughs> there was there's got thought in some of us that it's got to get better. But it also says this. I think it says the popularity of the character of Boba Fett is way bigger than I think even us Star Wars fans kind of gave it credit for. And then the last one I'll mention is this, although I don't think it's the major one, but it is something we should consideration. 
when the Book of Boba Fett finale aired, there were more Disney Plus subscribers than when uh, Mandalorian Season 2 aired. Yeah. But again, I honestly don't think that was that big of a factor, but it's a factor. So those are some lessons I'm, I'm taking away from it. Rob, you see these numbers coming to us from Deadline. What's your takeaway from that? Why? What, how do you explain what it is we're seeing here? Well, I think you just summed it up. I mean, there's a lot more audience members out there. There's a lot more subscribers to Disney Plus, and a lot of those subscriptions were driven by Star Wars content and Marvel content. And, I mean, it's probably, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but at least the third that it, I would say that completely reflects their subscription base has probably risen by 33% since the Mandalorian ended or 38% or whatever the percentage is. So it just reflects their viewership and the people that are interested in the programming. I don't know that I agree with that. I think it's more than that, but their, their growth has slowed, but I think it is a factor. I mean, I it, is it is definitely, there. but, but also it is star Wars. It is Boba Fett. Yep. People are excited. I mean, let's, let's not count out the fact that, you know, if you think about other than slave Leia, I don't think more people, Posters of Boba Fett have been on many, many a boy's Very wall true. and many a girl's wall, too, growing up. I mean, Boba Fett is like the sexiest Star Wars character and always has been. And I mean, sexy from an in-universe point of view. I, I know Harrison Ford's probably sexier on our walls in this universe. But come on, Boba Fett's the coolest Star Wars character. And I, and I don't think, and I know this isn't what you were saying. I don't think that the whole idea that Oh, if it's just Star Wars, everybody will watch it. I think Solo proved that's not true. But I mean, it's you're you're right. I mean, this has been well, like an iconic figure that so many yeah. of us had posters of this up on our wall and ships. I mean, one this, of my favorite things one. I own. I've got a diecast slave one that I will never ever part with. That Code Three made back in the aughts. There's, there's also nothing. There's also nothing that can actually compete with the Star Wars. Like what's the Star Wars? Everything like it gives you. There's nothing else on TV, I mean. Like, so, like, even if the episodes are bad, there, there's a lot of people that still watch it just because there's nothing else like it. I, I don't know. That's my opinion. And plus, it's Star Wars. I mean, I would watch it just because it's uh, something to do with Star Wars. I mean, yeah. even but if it's good or bad. Keep watching it even if you don't like it. I'm we amazed did. that you guys can stop watching things. I'm still hate watching Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> like, I. Hey, I um, still watch Star Trek Discovery. Right. I, well, I, you were I'm, I wish I could quit you all the time. Yes, but Manifest at least gives me joy. <laughs> well, I, and that's the thing. At least it gives you joy. But, you know, Chris, we're, we're seeing these numbers, which mm -hmm. to me are actually quite surprising. But what do you attribute it to? And what's the takeaway for you when you see these numbers? I do think it is all of us going... But maybe next week is going to be the opposite I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe next week is going to have this. Maybe this is a slow burn. There was a lot of, because that's how I viewed it. Maybe next week I'll enjoy this more. Whereas, you know, I, I, I come from a split household in which my husband was all about this show and thinks everything about it was magical and would just like sit there and like gasp and hit me and be like, Chris, Chris, did you see that? And I'd be like, yeah, we're watching the same show. Did you show. rethink your marriage? No, he's oh, okay. cute. I like him. He's so sweet. Um, you know, and, and I'm rethinking your marriage. You're rethinking <laughs> and until no. like the viewership actually really drops, we're just gonna keep getting what you know, whatever they're giving yeah, us. It's like, true. Yeah. I mean, so so this this is a good and bad thing. Good for Disney that the viewers were higher than the Mandalorian finale, but for people who want better stuff, they're not gonna do anything until they see that. The numbers well, the, totally dropped. Like, and here's a question. What what can we seeing these types of numbers on Boba Fett? What do we then expect from Mandalorian season three? Now, does, does this tell us that like if, if Mandalorian season three numbers plateau, 
What does that tell us? Or do we think that this is just telling us that when Mando comes back, the show that everybody really likes, we're going to see the biggest numbers ever through this. What do you think we're going to see with that? Look, I think Star Wars as a brand, despite all of the hits that it's taken to its reputation with Rise of Skywalker and maybe this show, Star Wars is still one of the biggest brands, biggest franchises in the world. And I have to tell you, John, and I don't think I'm uh, alone. I'm deliriously excited for Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. My feelings about Book of Boba Fett have not affected my desire to see the Obi-Wan series one iota, even if it does take place entirely on Tatooine. The Cassian Andor series. I want to see that, dude. Yep. And I'm not thinking, I'm going, well, I'm not going to tune in to Andor or Obi-Wan because I didn't like Boba Fett. I'm like, come on, man. It's Star Wars. I'll watch that shit. You, you'd, have to, you'd have to, like, I don't know, kill puppies on a Star Wars show before and, I'd stop watching it. And Obi-Wan well, has lightsabers. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, seriously, I, I think we all Star Wars is literally a franchise that has so much more goodwill than almost any other franchise because we all love it. We're all, despite what it does to us, it's it's not quite the abusive relationship that I've heard other people have been in, in their lives. <laughs> but oh man, Boba Fett for me was a little close because I'm like, really, you really squandered my love of Boba Fett here. Well, I mean, but I'm going to come back between oh, the, they've got a big opportunity to recover big and fast with Obi-Wan. I mean, I mean, again, winning cures everything. It doesn't matter what certain people felt, felt about Boba Fett. If Obi-Wan comes out and crushes it, it's all forgiven because winning cures everything. But it's not just Obi-Wan and Andor. There's still other stuff that the Acolyte apparently is still in p- progression. Ahsoka. I'm very excited about Acolyte. I'm very excited about Ahsoka, especially with the. You know, the whole thing about with Thrawn and Ezra and all that kind of stuff. I, I was a big fan of Rebels. Personally, I think Rebels was Dave Filoni's superior project product to uh, Clone Wars. I know I'm in the minority of that amongst my Star Wars friends. But they got a big opportunity to recover from this. And I, again, I just think this is a pretty big numbers. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this report and deadline saying that the finale for Book of Boba Fett actually had 36%? That's not an insignificant number. More viewers than the finale of Mandalorian season two. Do you think this is a trend we're going to see growing? Do you think now that means Obi-Wan is going to be the biggest viewed thing we've ever seen on Disney plus what happens when Mandalorian season three comes along? What do you guys think about it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, before we keep things rolling, let's take a second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John campus show. I've got it in just the other room here. I love my Peloton. Here's the good folks from Peloton. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Peloton. Now listen, in the never-ending quest to try to stay in shape, one of the keys is to vary up your workout and your exercises to make sure you avoid losing your motivation and keep from getting burnt out from doing the same thing over and over again. Peloton has you covered. I know for me, one of the keys was getting my Peloton tread and using the Peloton app to get my varied workouts in. And Peloton just keeps pushing you forward with new classes, new music, new ways to keep your workouts fun and motivating. One of the newer offerings that has me personally really excited is their boxing classes. Peloton is stepping into the ring with its newest discipline and you don't even have to have any gloves. Discover a fast, furious and fun workout with Peloton instructors in your corner. Even if you've never boxed before, these classes will have you working up a sweat while working on the fundamentals of form, footwork and fun combos that will keep you on your toes. Peloton has a workout for every day and every kind of schedule. So guys, right now, visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. 
And thank you to the good folks over at Peloton for sponsoring the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's get over there and start taking your live comments and questions that you guys have been sending in for the show. So, Chris, what are we starting with here? We're starting with Ryan Lawner. Ivan Reitman also gave us the only movie where you could see a proper fight between Han Solo and Boba Fett. Six days, seven nights. I did not <laughs> like that movie. I remember, I think, as you know, when I was younger, that was like the first Harrison Ford movie that I saw that I didn't like. It was like I had to question everything in reality. That was with <laughs> Anne Hesch. And I think the posters, them like were running from a crash plane. I can't remember. Did not like that movie. Did you watch it? Oh, I did. And I, I mean, it was no, like Anne Hesch, she killed it in Volcano. But Six Days and Seven Nights, not mm. so good. All right, what's next? Ja'Cory Robertson. Heard some employees in a drive-thru talking about how much they love Boba. I forget, I forgot not everybody is us, and the general audience enjoyed it just fine. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that the general audience enjoyed it. I think there are many people in the general audience who didn't, and there are many people in the general audience who did. Um, and I think there, I mean, that's the great thing about entertainment. Entertainment on the screen is great that way. The People try to argue with it, but to me, it's the most beautiful thing that whatever piece of art gets made, it is touching somebody and giving joy to somebody. And maybe it is me, maybe it's not me or whatever, but yeah, there are, we got to remember that even if we're complaining about a certain show or movie, there are other people who got some joy and enjoyed it a lot. And that's great. All right. What's next? CMG 2491. Hello, John and co. This is the start of my vacation week. Nice. And this Friday, I plan on seeing a movie at the AMC Burbank. Uh, and a special midnight screening of Pulp Fiction at Quentin Tarantino's Theater nice. at the new Beverly Cinema. Love that movie theater. Cannot wait. Oh, that is a good one. I didn't know the AMC Theater there was good. Was doing stuff like that. That is awesome. A midnight screening because I can tell I've never seen Pulp Fiction on the big screen. What? Yeah, never saw it on the big screen. I, I saw it after the fact once it was on home video. Wow. I saw the Chinese. Did you? Yeah. I would love to see that one on the big screen. I love yeah. that movie. All right, what's next? Casey Mack. Something that I forgot to say yesterday, RIP the great Ivan Reitman. It's sad we still keep on losing great minds in 2022. What would make, you know, it's one thing when when somebody like we lose Betty White, who was a, a global treasure. Mm -hmm. She was almost 100 years old. What what makes adds a little bit even more tragedy on top of the Ivan Reitman thing was the fact that that dude still had 15 years. I I think probably still had 15 years of filmmaking in him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at Clint Eastwood; he's still going, and right? he's in his 90s. Hey and man, Shatner's going to be 91 next month. And Ooh. and Reitman was a rel compared to those guys a relatively young 75. Yeah. I mean, Shatner got to be in an ad with Lindsay Lohan Come at on, the Super he's Bowl. Winning. He's still doing. You know what I've been watching? I've been going down a rabbit hole on YouTube, watching. Uh, uh, Boston legal or the what yeah all Boston the James legal. Bader Shatner moments yes so, so now popping up on my YouTube feed all the time is these little clips of Boston legal Denny Crane is one of the greatest television characters of all time uh -huh. him just walking around greeting people going Denny Crane cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Denny Crane cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs <laughs> oh that show is so good okay what's next Al Renshaw John Baby Yoda is dead going to die Internet stars for uh, Star Wars fandom led by Chris Carr. You shut your mouth, Campia. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I also thought about Mindy Kaling clip from The Office when she says, I have many questions. First, how dare you? That is okay. I, Rob's going to get to that one at some point. That is one of the funniest moments ever on The, off, uh, on the Office. Yes, I have some questions. First, how, how dare, dare you? you? That is like one of the best moments. Also, one of my other favorite Mindy Kaling moments in The Office mm -hmm. of all time was... It was it was a racial diversity uh, episode, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it was, I think it was Dwight who was trying to get her to get into the junior executive 
um, opportunity program with Dunder Mifflin. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I've always felt completely normal. He says to her, were you pulled over by a cop recently? And I'm paraphrasing a bit. He goes, why do you think he pulled you over? It's because the color of your skin. And she's like, well, he told me it was because I was texting while driving 70. But yeah, that makes way more sense. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, I love this character so much. I, mean, I love her doing the, well, I, I run my own department. Aren't you the only member of your department? Yes, Jim, and I'm very difficult to manage. <laughs> She's, I, she, the thing, that's one of the great things about The Office is like the, the seven or eight side characters could be in like 10 seconds of an episode and have one line in an episode, mm -hmm. but the lines would always crush. I mean, I, and Mindy Kaling is one of the best. Anyway, all right, what's next? Elizabeth Hirado, I'm a little <laughs> iffy on the Rescue Rangers trailer. Love the 2D animation. The 3D, not so much. Still cute though. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even watch it. I saw it pop up on my newsfeed. I'm not going to pretend like I have any interest yeah. in it. I don't. So I didn't watch it. Did you guys watch it? You, I watched you it did watch morning. it. Yeah. Okay. I got to tell you guys this. I got to tell you guys this. So today before the show, we're kind of getting our in our places. We're you know, getting everything set up. And then I hear a trailer playing and I'm like, ooh, that sounds like the uh, Michael Bay uh, ambulance trailer. You know, very violent. And I say, hey, you watching that ambulance trailer? Sounds, sounds like it. And Chris goes, Watching the Chippendales trailer, I'm like, oh, okay. Dre so got very excited wrong. about too, and was like, "What Chippendales are you watching? Yeah, which Chippendales? Is that the dancers?" I'm like, "No, no." So, like, how was it? Wasn't it good? It's got some like Roger Rabbit vibes. I know, I know. It's got some Roger Rabbit vibes. Roger Rabbit's literally in there too. So we've got some fun 2D animation. We have a CGI joke in there. Um, I love the casting and everything. I actually got to look at parts of the script because Logan and I both read for it um i'm not bitter at all disney it's fine but the the trailer looks it looks like it's gonna be a very meta movie it's not about the rescue rangers it's about the rescue rangers the tv show and they were actors on it okay all right all right what's that i'm getting tired of that yeah, yeah i'm getting kind of bored of it too. i wanted a gritty rescue rangers film where they take down the coca-cola cult it would have been amazing. John Wick blazing. Roger Rabbit <laughs> kind of started that yeah and it's been we've been dealing with the out the, the the fallout ever since all right, what's okay. next? Teabagger. Everyone <laughs> saying Uncharted is a good movie, but not a good adaptation to the game or the characters. I think it might be better than expected. You know, we are all going to go see that in two days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, but I have been, despite the initial numbers that came out, I've actually been hearing from a number of people I know that have seen it and said, you know, it's actually a pretty good movie. It's just not an Uncharted movie, really. Mm. And I'm like, okay. All right, I, I I can accept that. I've seen several movies. Like, for instance, to me, Superman Returns is a good example of that to me. I like Superman Returns. Like, I think Superman Returns is a really cool character study of the God-Man and what unique struggles and things that person faced. I just always says, it's not a very good comic book movie. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean. So I can kind of see that. I'm going into uh, Uncharted thinking of it as National Treasure 3. Oh. Ooh, that's okay. what I'm gonna do. You know, without without uh it's going to me, it's the coat Tokyo drift of the franchise. <laughs> the Tokyo drift the Tokyo drift of the of the national treasure <laughs> franchise. And by the way, I should mention, remember we were talking about the reviews are coming out, it was at forty percent and thirty nine percent. They have gone it's gone up. It's up over fifty percent now. So I mean, which is still not well, great. You know, Christian Harloff, uh, I read something he wrote, or it was a brief review, and his encapsulation of it was it was a pretty good movie, but maybe not the best uncharted film. He 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 wrote he told me the exact same thing. Yeah, he said, Yeah, it's 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 actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. It's just as so he played all the games. He's just it just didn't quite 
not what I was imagining as an Uncharted movie. It's I like, mean, all I want is a good movie. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that I think you and I are we're, we're, we're intelligent people. We can disassociate ourselves from the the expectations of the game. I mean, as soon as they cast Tom Holland. <laughs> I've disassociated myself from what I wanted in terms of a video game adaptation. And if it's just a good movie, it looks like it's a lot of fun. As well, long as it's not monumentally I, stupid. I'm apparently not one of those thinkers then, Rob, because I'm like, nope, this isn't what I want. <laughs> this is, well, we'll see. I mean, again, it's not a, I mean, the rating's gone up, but it's still not great. Yeah. All right, let's be clear about that. It still ain't great, but yeah. we'll see how it turns out. All right, oh, what's next? Good. It's from Matt. Any update on the new studio, John? Um, here's the thing. Yeah. So I, I revealed on the channel that, Hey, we're, I was going around looking at studio space, actually me, Rob and Ray, we went to go look at some space. Um, I've got some real estate agents that have been sending me space. One of the cool things about living out in Riverside is that <laughs> unlike living in Burbank or LA, the studio space and office space out here is literally less than half the cost of what is out there. Cause I was looking at a studio space that literally would have cost about $10,000 a month yeah. when I was living in Burbank and out here it was like 4,000 a month. That's still a lot of money though, guys, it's still a lot of money. Lot. And, but um, we are, I'm still looking, we, we may have a new office and studio within the next three months. It may take another year or more, but I'm going to find the right space for the right price uh, that'll meet our needs. And uh, yeah, so still looking. But thanks for asking. All right, what's next? MCP Scotty, <laughs> I watch Being the Ricardos. I don't know how the whole cast embodied the character so perfectly. If I closed my eyes, I'd swear Kidman was Lucy. I Look, a lot of people were critical saying, well, she doesn't look like Lucy. God, I still can't believe that us movie fans are so dumb that we still think that's like one of the important things. Guess what? Lily James doesn't look like Pamela Anderson either. Tom Holland like, doesn't look like Nathan Drake. Nor that does he look like Spider-Man. He sure but, doesn't. But here's the thing. You can get them close enough. The question is, what kind of performance can they give? And a lot of people, when they cast Nicole Kidman to play Lucy, a lot of people complain. I'm like, what are you complaining? She is one of the most established, successful, talented actresses in the history of this business. And you're complaining that they cast? Well, she doesn't naturally have red hair. Neither did Lucy. But but the thing is, then you go and see it, winning cures everything. Then they go and see her playing the role. It's like, oh my God, she's amazing. She's so good in that role. I love this movie. Mm -hmm. I love this movie so much. And by the way, Javier Bardem as Ricky so Ricardo. Good. So damn good. And all the secondary actors that are in this mm -hmm. movie. J.K. Simmons, honestly, it's one of my favorite performances that he's ever given. Like, honestly. Anyway, all right, what's next? Al Renshaw. Love how Chris keeps her composure while Ray, Rob, John bring the filthy. <laughs> She's trying to keep the boys under control, but realizes it's not possible. I don't we, think I'm trying to keep anyone under control, but thanks. <laughs> we we got to have somebody in here that tries to hold the line on classiness in here. Because if, 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 if Wait they, a they minute. don't. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Let's hark back to the word soup goop. This is true. Yeah. Oh, no. that, there goes that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty gross sometimes too, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or pretty terrific, depending on how you look at it. There right. you go, Logan. That's for you, buddy. <laughs> Casey Mack. Well, that Chippendale trailer was interesting. Reminds me of a modern take on Roger Rabbit, if it even had Roger, even if it had Roger in it. LOL. Although I don't know if I liked the voices not being chipmunk. Chipmunked up, it sounded weird. Wait a minute, they didn't chipmunk up the voices? No, so it's Mulaney, John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. Who I do love both of them. Who are great, but it's their normal speaking voices. So no. Chip is just like, I don't know, Dale. I don't really want to go do that. It's they, not a reboot. They didn't really chipmunk their voices, though, did they? I think the, the Alvin and the Chipmunks. No, did. Chip and Dale have that very high pitched. Yeah. Oh. Up. 
I'm, I'm getting. Oh, okay. Wow. Right. Wait, can you do that? You one are more right. Time? Can you yeah. do it again? Can you say? Um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Can that's... you say uh, greetings and salutations? Well, welcome greetings to... and salutations, everybody. Oh, okay. Well, open I would love to show tomorrow show like that. I, I'm, I'm officially now just going to have Chris off camera, <laughs> and I'm just going to lip sync what I'm saying. I'll give her a script, and she'll it's just perfect. overdub me. It'll be wow. great. That'll work. Well, that's I want to Idris Elba voicing Chippendale. Idris Elba and James Earl Jones voicing Chip and Dale. Some I'm about to have Chris do my voicemail right now as a chipmunk. You reach me. All right, what's next? All right, Raymond 2000. I love Sunday's halftime performance, but to me, the best will always be Prince. One and, of course, the Michael Jackson one. Damn right. Can't Prince beat those two. Uh, is the man. Best one was you two. This was good. I, I think. You know what else was really, really good, oddly enough? And I don't even, I'm not even into these people at all. The halftime show, honestly, no joking. The halftime show, I think that NSYNC and Britney Spears did, which I had like, oh my god, they're doing that for halftime show. It was a pretty good show. Did it? And what the best thing about that halftime show though was, before the halftime show started, they had Ben Stiller as a halftime show coach, <laughs> and you see him behind the scenes, like down in the in the uh, in the in the locker room area of the stadium before halftime show go, come on, do it again, do it again. And then the NSYNC guys sing a couple of notes and Ben Stiller throws his clipboard to the ground. That end sucked. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, Oh my God, did he just say that end sucked? And it, that was one of the funniest. Things. but it was a really, really great. It honestly was, even though they're not my cup of tea, it was a great performance, but I'm telling you, man, when Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg are up there, doing the thing i i had the stupid smile on my face i was, was moving fun. on the couch and never sat down and stood up the whole time she was like the ah oh, this that was such a good show didn't um the halftime show have like uh shakira one year too oh they, yeah shakira that, was, was that the one with j-lo and j-lo which was amazing yeah that was damn good too then they had the dancing shark one with katie perry mm -hmm. uh they had oh what was a couple of the other the beyonce one um, I mean, th they've had a lot of great, the Tom Petty one. They never skip. Yeah. No, no, they, they go great. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. My suggestion of Black Bolt yesterday doesn't mean bringing back Anson Mount. I like him. It'll probably be recast like Rob suggested yesterday. I mean, yeah, but again, I, I don't think Kevin Feige wants to go anywhere near Inhumans. I, I agree. I think all the way, going all the way back to his problems with, what was the name of his boss again? Um, Our Ike Perlmutter. Perlmutter, that's right. <clears throat> Going all the way back to his issues with Perlmutter, I think that Inhumans is one of those things. Because remember, Feige wanted to do an Inhumans movie until Perlmutter and the TV side decided they want to do Inhumans too. And he's like, fuck it. And he's just, I, I just don't think he wants to go that way because the Inhumans suck so bad. So bad. So and they bad. put that in the IMAX theaters, dude. Dude, that's where I first saw it. I went to an IMAX to watch the, the first couple of episodes oh, of it. Oh, that's and so I, sad. And I came walking out of it like, <laughs> you, you ever see a TV show where a guy's in a car crash and then he gets out and he doesn't really know where he is? And like, that's what, that was me coming out of that theater. I'm like, what the hell just happened? What did I just, it was so bad. Oh my God. All right, what's next? All right, this <laughs> is from Josh Molinari. Hey, John, now that it's over, what were your thoughts on the halftime show? My opinion, you twos and princes are still the pinnacle, but I'd give it an eight out of ten. Had Eminem gotten one more minute, he could have done forgot Dre. I was surprised they didn't do that one. I, I was fully expecting them to do that one, but uh, I, again, I loved the halftime show. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. 
Fiddy hanging upside down. That was an odd choice. <laughs> but other than that, again, it was great. And we were like I said on the show yesterday. It was it it was great choreography. Okay, like seriously, great choreography. As Fifty, once he got down from hanging upside down, he's singing in the club. He's got those twenty female dancers around him doing the thing. It was great choreography. But again, all I could think about watching that was there is not one of these girls was older than twelve when in the club was the big hit song. <laughs> they were all twelve or under. God I, bless them. God bless them. But I, that's all, that's all I could think. But the not just of that moment, but the the dance choreography. Of the whole show was incredible. Like, I, I really yeah. loved it. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. Also, I brought up Black Bolt in the comics yesterday because I found that stuff in the movies affects the comics. Like how after FNWS aired, Sam, Falcon and Winter Soldier aired, Sam is now Captain America again in the comics. Or the comics bring back the Fantastic Four after the Fox buyout. So Black Bolt showing up again in the comics, hence he might be in the movies. No, see, here's the problem. The, the problem is... For every one thing you can point to that says, ah, see, they did that in the comics and they did that here, I can point to five things that they didn't. And and that's the problem with it. That's why you can't really rely on either. Like, you can't rely on saying, well, they did in the comics, that means they won't do it. Nor can you really rely on, well, they did this in the comics, that means they're hinting that they're doing this. I, I think neither is true. There are going to be many things in the comics that sometimes they will carry over. There will be some things in the comics that they at least get influence from. And there's going to be many things in the comics that they just completely ignore. So I don't think we can ever go to the comics and say, well, they did that thus. That means they're going to do this. You can, however, come up with theories and say, well, that works because that does tie into something they did in the comics and could mean this. But eh, it all depends on how you look at Kevin Feige is very, very free and loose about when he takes something from the comics, when he takes influence from the comics and when he just goes his own complete different way it's it's always kind of a, a mixed bag there all right what's next dante serecchia okay rob as instructed i watched the first episode of in from the cold wow what that ending was a big shocker i think i loved it fun show what is that again healthy. It's the Russian spy show In From the Cold about a woman who's revealed she's like a mother of a skater. Her high school daughter's a skater and they're in Spain and then she gets tapped by the CIA. Ooh. And so you think it's going to be like, you know, the Americans, but something happens at the end that makes you go, wait, what? I mean, it's completely out of left. Is this the Netflix left. thing? Yeah. It's right. completely out of left field and I kind of liked it too. I have to check it out. All right. What's next? Cut her hail. Nobody was my favorite movie of 2021. I saw it in theater six times. Nice. Wow. I would love a sequel to it. The best Super Bowl commercial was the Willie Nelson Skechers one with Sopranos being a close second. The Sopranos one was great. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't I was a big fan of the Willie Nelson one, even though I love Willie Nelson. I think my favorite might have been one that I totally missed. I saw on YouTube today the Nissan Super Bowl commercial, which I guess I missed with Eugene Levy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh okay. my God, that was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That was fantastic. I mean, not counting movie trailers, that might have been my favorite, uh, my favorite commercial out of the bunch. It was good. They had a listen, seriously, there have been a couple of years where the Super Bowl commercials have kind of started to become a little bit let down. I thought this was a very, very strong year for Super Bowl commercials. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. All right. I agree. Addison, John, you said before that you read the manga for Attack on Titan, but thought the anime was myth. Did you ever read the last chapter of the manga? I don't think I ever read the last chapter. Anne's got them all. That's that's mm. that's how I, I picked up a lot of stuff. Like I started reading. Um, oh damn it! What's the what's the name of like probably the most popular one right now? It's got the cover with the guy with the horns and his Saga? girl. 
Saga. Thank you. That's how I first got into reading sagas because Anne brought that's how I first got into reading the runaways because Anne brought them all yeah. home. That's how I got to reading the question. Yeah. For whatever reason, when I tried watching the show, I'm like this, this doesn't have any life to me. It just, it just comes across as odd, but not in a cool way to me. But mm-hmm. listen, a lot of people love it and that's awesome. But I don't know that I ever got to the very end of it to, to be honest with you. All right. What's next? Sam Fisher with MOM having universe hopping flashpoints going to move again. This is civil war versus Batman versus Superman all over again. I, what, what is he trying to say? Multiverse of madness. But that, that's yeah. MOM is yeah. multiverse of madness. What is he saying is going to have that flash is moving again. Are they are they coming? I I don't understand what it is Sam is trying to say. Unfortunately, like what's his point? Oh, are they going to change the release date? Is that what we're talking With, about? When when is this supposed to come out? When in relation to Multiverse of Madness? I don't think near it. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Sam. I'm not quite sure what it is you're getting at. All right, what's next? Bailey Fuller. How about that Chip and Dale trailer? It looks good. Again, I couldn't even bother to watch it at this point. All right, what's next? <laughs> Sam Fisher, you can actually see an app called Illuminati on Tony's phone during the Senate hearing with a logo identical to the comics logo. Easter egg? No, is that true? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I mean, if awesome. it is, it obviously it doesn't mean anything, but yeah. if it is, that's probably just a fun little... I never even noticed that one before. I'm going to have to look for that next time. Well pointed out, Sam. All right, what's next? Andy, I often confuse Tommy Lee and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> that's amazing yeah, so does pam anderson jeez no, all right what's next uh andy again hbo max is releasing a oh movie. is there Suthius? not on theory mind. time Suthius. theory time strange goes to see wanda but that orchid uh, orchard is just a facade the scene where she tells him it's not fair we see trees in the background and he's still wearing his street clothes what if uh, what if she was in the middle of messing with the Darkhold with the multiverse? He finds out, doesn't like it, and the two have a scuffle. She might be powerful, but he's more experienced. He then says, sends and locks her away in another dimension. <laughs> then why we see him later with the Darkhold examining the red orbs, different universe, that Wanda was messing with. He then does or undoes something to the multiverse, and that's the thing he had to do when talking to Wong. But Wanda breaks out and exacts revenge while trying to find her family. Uh, okay, that's uh, that's a what if built on a what if built on a maybe built on a what if this did this. Uh, I mean, uh, look, the the general notion here that maybe he shows up and like the big conflict with Wanda happens right away, like in the first act of the film, because we see him with the dark hold in the trailer. Mm-hmm. We know that Wanda has it. So either at the beginning, she helps Strange. But Strange saying, I I know you have the Darkhold. Can I please use it? I need to figure something. She goes, yes, here's the Darkhold. Or it could be what you're saying, that maybe something ensues and he actually locks her away somewhere and he takes the Darkhold and then she gets out later. I I mean, these are all possibilities too. Rob, you see any uh, possibilities? You know, I think this movie is going to open with not our (laughs) Doctor Strange. I think we're going to see some big action sequence, whether it's one of the creatures. Well, or... I think the America Chavez with uh, Defender Strange might be how this whole thing opens. Yeah. And then Defender Strange dies there. Boom. Doctor Strange wakes, wakes up. Wakes up. Or yeah, it's going to be something like that. All right. What's next? Now, Andy, HBO Max is releasing a movie called Moonshot on March 24th, where Mars is terraformed. Sounds like planetary intercourse. Wouldn't we be interested in <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 
Just tell me when it releases. I'm there. It's a move. Think it's got moon. But why is it about Mars if it's called Moonshot? Who cares? It's all good. <laughs> Let's just watch this beauty. Well, I've that's never even heard know, of this one. When you're gonna terraform another planet, you can't. You 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 use the term moonshot. Moonshot. Yeah. Moonshot. Right? All right, that's I'm it. down. All right. You know, shoot it right in my canyons. Oh. <laughs> you're terraforming. You're terraforming Mars. What's next? <laughs> Sam Fisher. I heard a theory that the person. Oh, that wait, say, oh, um, Casey Mack. My wonky. I'm going to turn here. Casey Mack, what a disappointment when it comes to the Oscar host. If it was three Spider Man or somebody more interesting, it would have gotten me to watch. I, I get, here's the other thing. I, I think every other collection of three women I, I propose would garner more attention from people wanting to tune in. Also, they're more prestigious. Is yeah. it wrong to say yeah, that? I think they're... it would get more eyeballs with any of those three sets of women than the ones we got. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, maybe it'll end up being the best Oscar thing ever and we'll all be celebrating it. I, I hope so, but I, I just, as an Oscar fan, I just I just don't love the picks, but that's okay. The Oscars are not there to serve my whims. All right, what's next? I'll look on yours. I heard, Sam Fisher now. I heard a theory that the person in the chair with the long hair is Captain Carter, which I like, especially with her shield in the glass like in the poster. Um, I heard that theory too. I don't buy it. The body type didn't quite look good because Captain Carter in the cartoon, like it's, Pretty buff, And would right? she be part of the Illuminati? Should not be. Yeah, I don't think so. Should not be. But then again, Mordo really shouldn't be either. And it looks like he's on it. So, But he is a big sorcerer. He, he is a big sorcerer. He does command that's, powers that, say, Captain Carter would. That's true. So, I, I mean, I don't know, but it's not impossible. It can be absolutely anybody. All right, what's next? Bailey Fuller, opinions on the Bel Air show? Seen a lot of hate. Um, Haven't watched it. I think it's an interesting concept, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so I have no opinion on it quite yet. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. After that Chevy commercial, I want a Soprano sequel starring Meadow as a mafia queen trying to live up to Tony while knowing he didn't want this for her. Dude, I'm telling you what, all you got to hear do is hear that music. I know. I mean, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, you're like all the way right back in the Sopranos. Yes, saw that commercial, her get out of his car, him stand there, the brother and sister hug, and I'm like, I want that. I, that's what I thought, too. Oh, give me that. Give me that Sopranos, the next generation, the new class. Give me that one. The Degrassi and the Degrassi new yeah. class. That's right. <laughs> Damn right. Give me that. I want to yes. see it. All right, what's next? All right, from uh, Andy. In DC League of Super Pets is going to have all the pets of DC in its movie, then it should add Eagly. John, uh, John Cena <laughs> voicing him would be an added bonus. Boy, it's hard to emphasize how excited I am to not watch this movie. <laughs> like, I am excited to not watch this movie. You that know, looks awful. The last trailer wasn't good. I was no. hoping it would be good. I kind of like the idea of it. I'm like, this could be... I don't understand with all the great animation that gets made today, with all the incredibly talented people, whether you're watching Venture Brothers or a Pixar movie or just take your pick. When I watch that Super Pets thing, I'm like, this should be great. Yeah, but nothing about it look great to me. I know. It's like, ooh, look, a dog with that was, or I, you know what? It was that Native American the the commercial when you. <laughs> it's the writing, it's here, then, right? It's really the writing because the animation looks fine to me. Animation looks fine. Yeah, yeah. Animation yeah. looks fine. You got an incredibly talented group there of voice actors. Uh, illumination, right? But nothing looked yeah. good about it. I don't know. Maybe it'll surprise us. All right, what's next? All right. We are at Suthias Glenn Mark. Number one. Hi, John. Uh, Rob. Moon Knight's cow's not working for me. I tried to shake it, but. All but I see is Nightbird. Oh, but all I see is Nightbird. 
Two, image. Moon Knight in wet, windy weather. Night in glow. Um... I don't know. I thought it. I thought it was yeah, great. Plus, I think it's I, the, the images of the Mister Knight persona in the tuxedo. I thought that looked great. And I have to tell you, look, let me just say this for the record: people have said to me, Rob, do you like the idea of Moon Knight wearing mummy-like clothes, the way the the it looks like an Egyptian right, the wraps. mummy, the wraps, which is not what the original Moon Knight is that I fell in love with. But you know what? Because it's Khonshu and all that, I don't mind that. I want to see how it works. I thought that was an interesting way to go, but I'm not adverse to it. And I kind of like the way it looks because right. I was worried about how the costume was going to look. I think it looks great, especially when you jumped off that building. It's and badass, dude. Mm -hmm. I'm liking it. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher, have any of you seen Power on Stars? I was never interested, but it must be pretty good to have like four spinoff sequels, prequels. I know 50 Cent is an EP. Well, look, it's been coming up a lot on the show lately. A lot of people, people watching have, it. Look, I've never heard anybody in three years write in to ask about power. In the last month and a half or so, we've had like we've had a bunch of people write in yeah. and talk about it. So I've always heard it's good. You, you know what the big problem here is? It's, it's stars. I mean, stars is one of the most expensive things you could... I, I, I I've looked into it. people with it. I've looked into it because they show the top movies on there. Like everything I was like... That just released in theaters. They're already showing it. And isn't I, isn't Spider Man No Way Home coming to stars? I'm just like saying it's just so it's hard to watch shows when the price is so high. On I the, think theirs is like there's never a discount. There's never a deal. There's never a trial. Nothing. The only thing I know about stars was that one of my three favorite shows of all time was a star show, and it was Aaron Cummings Spartacus. That, that's the only thing I ever watched stars for. I haven't really watched stars since so i yeah that's some of the only physical media we own is spartacus <laughs> really yeah it's a good one to own I know. we got we got rid of a lot of it rob <sighs> all right what's next i love you i'm sorry um next well is... i'm blaming logan it's always Logan's no it's fault. me he wants to keep everything james marquez things that tried to eat luke rancor <laughs> uh Dinoga? oh gosh Dinoga? am i saying that right i know Dinoga. that's the trash compactor monster. oh yep. okay thank you wampa sarlacc and ewok this speaks <laughs> to your point about them being evil <laughs> i'm telling you what the e i'm look i ain't saying the, e the ewoks are evil i am simply saying they are flesh-eating savages skilled hunters who are merciless they're not evil they're merciless they capture you then they don't have the compassion to kill you they capture you tie you up carry you through the jungle till you get to their village and then instead of doing the humane thing of slitting your throat and just letting you bleed out quickly they literally put you alive over an open fire as your flesh burns because I guess somewhere in their belief system, the more you scream in agony, the more flavor to your delicious meat. That's just science. That's just science. That so, works. and then they, you know, rip the flesh off you and eat you. Yeah. I, I, they're not evil. It's just that this is their kind of their way of doing things. All right, what's next? Victor Edbaum, which horror franchise will make its return first? A Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th has lawsuit problems, and we've heard nothing about... Uh, Nightmare on, on Elm Street. Street. Latest was in 2019 with rumors of a possible HBO Max series. I think it'll be Friday the 13th. If I'm not mistaken, I believe, didn't they recently just settle the lawsuit yes, issues? They did. So, yeah, I'm going to guess it's probably Friday the 13th. We'll get another kick at it. Now, look, I wasn't. I have a friend of mine, uh, Amarika o uh, Olivo, who was in 
the movie Bitch Slap with Aaron Cummings. Oh, okay. Uh, Amarika was actually in that Friday the 13th. They tried to do it. I think it was Jared Padalecki was in that. And that was not so good. That was not so good. But I think they're going to, I think that would be the first one they tried it again. All right, what's next? Odaya. All right. I really hope Sylvie and Loki have a role to play since their show really kicked off the multiverse era of the MCU. Much love, John and the crew. But did it? Did it? Because multiverse, multiple timelines, multiple realities, this is all stuff that was introduced in the MCU long before the Loki series ever came about. So um, I'm guessing Loki won't have a, Loki nor Sylvie will have anything to do with this show. I mean, it's possible. It's totally possible. We could see them pop up. I mean, hell, if we could see Patrick Stewart's Professor X pop up, nothing says we can't see Loki pop up. I'm going to say I doubt it. What do you think, Rob? I doubt it, too. Because we have to start defining different timelines and different multiverses. And there's got to be a difference between them. Right. They kind of look the same, which is going to cause some confusion. Time variants are different than multiverses. Or are they? Or other realities. It yeah, depends like on that. how they define that. By the I way, know. I also want to go back to Victor for a second here. Because I, I totally miss it. Victor like tipped in like $24 to support oh, the channel for that. You. So, Victor, thank you so much for supporting our channel on that level, man. That's really generous. All right. What's next? Jedediah Elias. So apparently the new Dr. Two's tra trailer teases the Marvel Illuminati. Does that mean we'll be getting a Tupac cameo as well? I, I don't understand the reference. Is that a reference to a song he sings? Is, is, is that a reference to a song he sings? I, was wondering I, I don't if this know is, off the top uh, of my head. Uh, this is the body double theory that Tupac's not really dead or something oh, like no, that. They, they By the way, the hologram. Super Time Halftime Show, I was expecting a Tupac hologram yeah. to show up. I, I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't. All right, what's next? All right, James Argenta. I think the Illuminati are people from different universes, like a variant Professor X, Captain Carter, Shield and Poster, from What If, and Monica from MCU. I mean, that's totally, that's, we were kind of talking about that before the show started yep. too. Like, the, like, is this Professor X, a Professor X that escaped out of our reality mm -hmm. before Wanda did the new Mut No More Mutants thing? Or is he a Professor X from another reality that's there? Could probably, they're, they're kind of like in this star chamber kind of maybe a pocket. Maybe it's in the quantum realm that sits outside of time and space where they're all protected. Don't know. It's a good theory. We'll have to see where they go with it. All right, what's next? John Redcorn. JC and Ray, ready to give up uh, give up on the Lakers this year? Uh, <laughs> no. You Ooh. know why? Okay, first of all, the Lakers are still... By the way, the Lakers are not my favorite team, but the Lakers are only in... They're only out of the playoffs by one spot. They're in the ninth spot right now. You put LeBron James in the playoffs, anything can happen. And as long as they learn that they just got a either one bench Russell Westbrook, because they're clearly a much better team when he's not on the court, or two, suddenly Russell Westbrook remembers how to play. <laughs> and if you can keep AD healthy, look, they're just not as good of a team, you know, as they were when they won the title. But I am never counting out. LeBron James is still the best basketball player in the world. So, I mean... Uh, no, I'm not ready to count them out. Not at all. All right, what's next? All right, Cutter Hale. Which theme is better, Star Wars theme or Jurassic Park theme? In my opinion, I like the Jurassic Park theme better, especially the one at the end. I'll pretend you didn't say that. No, the, the answer <laughs> to that is obvious. It's Star Wars. The yeah, Star Wars you're going to get no argument from me. And, and at least four pieces of Star Wars music are better than, like, whether it's talking about the Leia's theme or you're talking about... Um, uh, 
uh, the main fanfare, whether you're talking about the Imperial March, whether you're talking about Duel of the Fates, whether you're talking, I mean, yeah, so yeah, no, to me, that one's easy. That one's easy. All right, what's next? Anish, I have stopped watching the trail. I have stopped watching trailers of things I know I'm going to watch, and it has been a great decision. I have not seen the new Doctor Strange trailer. Sometimes I feel like trailers reveal too much. They don't. I, I really don't think they do. Trailer. I mean, look, in our in my documentary movie trailers, a love story, uh, the wonderful Gray Drake makes a great observation in it. She goes, people today who say that trailers give way too much, they never saw old trailers. Like, old trailers used to just give away the entire movie. Like, here's the whole movie. Boom, here you go. It, look, do they sometimes give away too much? I don't know. Like, if you're one of these people who feels like, I don't want to know anything, that's fine. And if you already know you're interested in a certain movie, you don't need to watch it. That's perfectly fine and perfectly good and a good choice for you. Good luck trying to avoid them in total, though, if you're on online at all. But for me, I don't know. The, these little... These little teases, these little bits of the movie, these things to get us enticed. Because remember, look, I was going to see Doctor Strange 2 regardless. But I wasn't super excited for Doctor Strange 2. Like, I'm excited for it. I love the first Doctor Strange movie. Can't wait to see it. But this trailer. Dude. Now I'm now my engine's revving for this. You know what I'm saying? Well, I also have to say, too, that, you know, the trailer thing is really a phenomenon of the last 20 years. You know, ever since... Uh, Phantom Menace. That was the first well, trailer. Changed people, everything. yeah, people had to wait. But like, I used to love trailers. But when I was growing up, I didn't see trailers for every movie because the only place you could see them was in the movie theater. So most of the yeah. time, for my formative years, I remember seeing a trailer. The first trailer. Watch the trailer for Raiders of the Lost Ark. You watch that trailer, and you're like, "What is this?" Like, it doesn't do. A, and I remember seeing the trailer for Raiders, thinking, ah, "This doesn't look that good." You know, and, and I went and saw Raiders for the first time. Not I, We all went and saw it for Spielberg and Lucas. But we went and saw Excalibur again because they were having a public sneak of Raiders. And I remember walking out of Raiders, dude, I was blown away. That was one of the movies where I couldn't believe. And I go back to thinking about that now. I wish I could have gone into Infinity War and Endgame knowing nothing. But I can't help myself. It's like, give me a trailer. It's like crack. I got to smoke it. I got to watch it. And look, Not and at that the I'm end a crack of the day, smoker. I'm just using it as an example. You're talking about two minutes out of 180 minutes or of out of out of 170 minutes. You know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but if you see nothing, if I don't think it would have changed the experience at all. I really don't. I don't think it, there would have been one less bit of thrills or excitement or whatever. But ah, that's my kind of take on it. All right. What's next? K Major writes in, that's only because of Grogu's presence. Um, okay, it's fine to say that, but Gro correct me if I'm wrong, and please, I, I might be wrong about this. Somebody correct me. Grogu was also in the Mandalorian Season 2 finale. Yep. So you can't say this one had more because Grogu was in it. Well, Grogu was in the other one too. So that eh, doesn't really make sense. All right, what's next? Donito, uh, Doctor Strange 2 opens similar to the nightmare scene in the Snyder Cut. Instead of Bruce, it's Strange. Instead of Joker, it's Mordo. Uh, the last surviving Avenger join hi joins him, all looking for revenge. Wanda lands. Strange wakes up. I know, cringe fanfic, but in my head, it's epic. Listen, there is something. Look, I don't think it's going to be exactly that, Danito, but it's going to be something, something like that. By the way, speaking of the Snyder Cut, did you hear since they announced 
best film at the Oscars fan favorite that there's a campaign on Twitter to make that fan film that wins the Snyder Cut of Justice League? They won't do it. By the way, I know they probably wouldn't, but if it does happen, I am so there for that. That would be kind of funny if they did. But I, I'm not surprised. And you know what? I mean, good night for making it try to happen. The Oscars will immediately shut it down, though, because they say that's not a 2021 film. That's what they'll say. They'll but, well, yeah, they'll be like, it wasn't theatrically released. Yeah, it wasn't a 2021 film. Justice League is this. But then again, you have to be like, but it streamed, didn't it? Uh, but again, they're going to say. The well, copyright not, on the movie. I'm not saying whether they're right or wrong, but they're going to say that movie already came out years ago. I would, I, I would love it so much if it did win. I would love it so much. It won't. The whole reason they're making this thing is just they are making this thing so they have an excuse to highlight Spider-Man No Way Home. That's why they're doing it. And it doesn't listen. Even if my personal mission and and quest to get people to troll and write in Thunder Force got <laughs> 25 million votes, 10 million more than anything else, it doesn't matter. They're still going to say Spider-Man No Way Home at the end of it. This whole thing is just a big facade for them to announce Spider-Man No Way Home. If you guys don't see that, I Do don't you know, know what, what else to tell it's you. for, too. What's that? They want to get those emails from people so they can send them opportunities to join the Academy Museum. I don't think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Here's your email. I don't email. think you're wrong. Thank you very much. I mean, you have to agree to opt in, but sure. still, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're probably... Would you also like to receive updates from the Academy? Who you're wouldn't? Right. Who wouldn't? Yeah, Please, right. join the Academy Museum. All right, what's next? Jacob Hirsch. Ray, I found an iPad app called Solar Smash, where the point is to destroy the Earth by throwing moons at it. You're welcome. Enjoy. Wow. Oh, my God. Ray now wants an iPad. Well, let's see if it's on. He's looking up on his iPhone. Let us- I am. I am. I am. After. After. Let us know what you come across. All right. What's next? Casey Mack, I finished All of Us Are Dead the other day, and to be honest, it was okay. Overall, I don't think it needs a second season because I don't know where they would even go. But now I look forward to starting Kingdom. I remember saying I I just I tap out of shows. I have no problem with all of us are dead. I just after a couple of episodes, I'm like, okay, so same thing is happening. Same thing is happening. Same thing is happening. I thought it was too long. Students running. Ah, the zombies are in the school. I just after about three or four episodes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I liked what I watched, but I, I was just I was just kind of done with it, unfortunately, I agree. after that. All right. Um, now, I've got... Tim Platt? Tim Platt, yes. Yeah. Tim Platt, in light of recent strange events, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> not releasing Kenobi on May 4th was the right move, LOL. Um, What's the connection? When does Doctor Strange open? Not until... Oh, yeah, it's May, it 5th. May 5th. Is it oh, May 5th? Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe well, that fifth, actually, you know what, Tim? You might be onto something. That might be one of the one of the other reasons. But it is. That. I mean, the character of Obi Wan Kenobi was introduced on May twenty fifth. So I was too. I was too. I, I would have said that originally on the show, but but I think May twenty fifth is the right choice. It's the forty fifth anniversary that the world met Obi Wan Kenobi. Still think May the fourth would have been better. But look, if it, if it yeah, can't, but that's a made up Valentine's Day. If it Day can't BS. be May the fourth, May the twenty fifth is the right day. I, I will say that would be the second on my list. So I'm okay with it. All right. What's next? Anish. Is that who you have next? Uh, you already did. Oh, uh, no. I... Drew L. Ray. Okay. Uh, Drew L. Ray. Hey, guys. Love the show. So hyped for the Batman. Two weeks till a fan event. I keep yelling. So hyped for Doctor Strange. Have a great day, guys. Yay! It is just two weeks till the Batman. That May 1st screening we're going to get to go to, or March. March 1st screening. And then, of course, we're going to do the fan. And it's a short month. 
because because this is a short month. I'm listen. I I cannot even begin to describe my excitement for the Batman. I am so stoked for this film. I'm I honestly think this has potential to be a top five best film of the year. Not just my most anticipated. I think it carries the potential to be a top five best film of the year. Whether or not it does that, we'll find out soon. All right, what's next? All right, Casey Mack. I finished, oh no, we already did that one on your mind. Anish, have you guys seen Rami? It's a show on Hulu, super funny and highly recommended. A look into the life of a Muslim American living in New Jersey. Oh, this show looks great. I need to watch this. I've yes. never even heard of it. Oh. I, I've seen a trailer. It does look good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Has this started airing? Yeah, it's been yeah. out for a while. Yeah. I've never even, I'm like, I'm on Hulu all the time. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. All right, I'll have to keep my eye open for it. Thank you for that, Anish. All right, what's next? Uh, Andy, is it wrong that I feel relieved that the Book of Boba Fett doesn't have a new episode on tonight? <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about that. I was, I was, I remember thinking that today. So, okay, what day is it again? Okay, it's Tuesday. So, oh, I don't have to stay up to watch Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I say that there were a couple of episodes that I liked. I did. Um, but listen, my right now I am just zeroing in. What are we? Thirty six hours from Peacemaker, Peacemaker finale. I mean, right now that's just my my life. Right now is a countdown clock to Peacemaker. Then that turns into a countdown clock until the Batman. But right now I'm all just focused on Peacemaker, dude. I'm just so totally focused on Peacemaker. I cannot wait for this final episode. All right, what's next? All right, from Cam K. John, let me give you the facts. The Deadpool in the poster is ambiguous and can be argued against. Captain Carter's shield is irrefutably shown in it. Um, but is it? See, here's the thing. Don't forget who one of the other major characters is in the movie. And it's America Chavez. And also known as Ms. America. Yeah. So... What it is we're seeing, I think, uh, to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi, could be different from a certain point of view. So I'm not sure anything is totally clear and obvious when it comes to that. But it could be. Could be. I'm not saying it's counted out. I'm just saying I don't I don't think it's a definitive thing at all. But we'll see. All right, what's next? Uh, oh, there we go. Hey, Marcellus, I have no problem with Regina, but I find Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes incredibly annoying. While my wife watches, I'll be playing uh, Grand Simo 7. Yeah. Um, 7, excuse me. Look, the reality is this. While I personally like Amy Schumer and Wanda, I do. I, I concede there's a lot of people that find both of them annoying. And that, that is also one of my concerns is that are they going to be names that say, hey, you should really watch the Oscars this year? Or will it have the opposite effect of saying, eh? And and while I, I like them, I just, I just for many reasons, I don't think they were the right choice. And I'm a little, I'm a little confused. And Robbie, I think you were pointing out earlier, the only thing I'm really kind of left with is that they went through everybody and nobody either answered the call or they were busy or they just saw what happened to Kevin Hart and they say, that they, I don't want that to happen to me. Right. And so, and I remember us, we talked about that when the whole Kevin Hart thing happened. It's like, this is going to deter so many potentially great Oscar hosts from ever wanting to do it. Because they're going to go, oh, so if you guys announce that I'm hosting the Oscars, there's going to be 50,000 trolls out there that are going to dedicate their lives for the next three weeks of combing through every single thing I've ever said online to try to find something that could be construed as maybe it was something I said while I was drunk or whatever. And and that's going to become headline news and stories. And I don't want to live with that. I don't want to deal with that. And I think that might be a part of it too. I don't know. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a huge problem. 
Like, and the fact that we have we live in a society now where you're going to dig through a comedian's tweets to find something that that they said ten years ago that's like objectionable today. I mean, come on, man. Jokes are jokes. But I, but honestly, when I see this lineup, that's part of my thing. Is that I agree. I think I think they made twenty or thirty other calls before they got to. This. I agree with you hundred percent, and I think you're right. Why put yourself for, up for that scrutiny? Speaking of female comedians, you know what I watched last night? The What's new that? Ali Wong special on Netflix. Oh, how old the Ali Wong? That was really good. It was really good. I actually liked it. There was a lot of uh, awkward jokes, but it was really good. I like awkward jokes. I yeah. do too, and she's great. I love Ali Wong. All right, what's next? Uh, Guillaume, uh, Guillaume LaBelle, going to see Jackass Forever tonight. Hyped. I'm glad you're going to go see it. I like Jackass Forever. I don't know. Poor Ray. Poor Ray's now having flashbacks. I will turn my turn around for you right now. All right, what's next? Anish, what are y'all's thoughts on Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Love it. I thought that show deserved all of the awards it received. It was so unique and different, and she is a unique talent. And don't forget, she's a big player in the upcoming Indiana Jones. If it ever makes it to the big screen, you're a big fan. Mm -hmm. I love her so much. That... That image of her just with her margarita and her Emmy smoking a cigarette by a pool in her Golden Globe or in, in her Emmy dress was so, so wonderful. You know, I love funny. it. The show itself, Fleabag, is a show that changed temperatures and direction. Because you, if you just watch the finale, it's like this scene. And then you think back to the first scene. You're like, this is like really different in tone and everything from. And she was never afraid to explore all that. Mm -hmm. And it just really nope. worked for her. All right. Which what's is next? Great. All right, Stubble McShave. I watched Misery yesterday. Nice. From a certain point of view, it's the ultimate Valentine's Day movie. Oh, yeah, oh, from a certain man, point Stubble. of view. Oh, Woo, I'm telling you, man. If you First of all, Misery is not only a great movie mm -hmm. in and of itself. James Caan, uh, Academy Award winning. Kathy uh, Bates. Kathy Bates, who is awesome. I love Kathy Bates. This is really was her breakout role. And she won the Academy Award for it as well. And James Caan is so good in it. Not only is it an amazing movie, totally on its own merits, it is such an incredible, prophetic, look into the future representation of toxic fandom today. And how a lot of fans, and I think we're all guilty of it, I'm not pointing any fingers, I think we're all guilty of it, but I know you're she represents what, what fandom is a lot today. Entitled, you know, like, it, it's... If you've never seen Misery, you must watch Misery. What's crazy is, you know, Stephen King was one of the first recipients of toxic fandom in that way, you know, the, in, in what he read. And, and that book is now, that book came out in 1987. I was in college when that came out, 1987. And I read that book in one sitting. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Dia. Do you guys have a favorite Oscar acceptance speech that you watch a lot? I loved Olivia Coleman's and Viola Davis's. Watch those quite often. I mean, listen, I, I know this is gonna be a little bit stereotypical, um, but Cuba Gooding Jr.'s. Oh, that was a good one. There, there was there was such a joy when he won for, uh, I almost said Tommy McGuire. Um, what's Jerry McGuire. Jer Jerry McGuire. When he won for Jerry McGuire, and you could just tell the the enthusiasm, the the excitement, how excited he was for the whole thing, and the power. That is like one of my favorite. Three Six Mafia winning their cat when they got when they got announced. The way they came bounding onto the stage. There's something pure about that. That La -la I love. Land. So oh my <laughs> God, Ray. Oh. <sighs> no wait, there was a mistake. Sorry. Oh. 
um, that was, but those are some, do you guys have a favorite? I mean, and oh, then yeah. of course, go back to one of the greatest of all times. You like me. You mm -hmm. really well, like me. Sally was, Field. That's what I was going to say. Where are you going to go with that? Yeah. The Sally huh. Field one moment is great. Do you guys have any JK others? J.K. Simmons telling us to call our parents, especially oh. if we're lucky enough to have two parents still alive. That what everyone that in my Oscar party got up and called their parents right then and there. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, uh, most I really don't care about Oscar acceptance speeches, but there there have been some classic ones. All right, what's next? The man with the master plan. Ray's impression of the trade fed was so great. I'm Chinese myself, but I didn't notice the stereotype portrayal until now. And I've seen episode one thousands of times. Yeah, that was, listen, that was a really, really big thing. That was a big deal. He's looking at me. <laughs> that was a big deal. It got to the point where it was so obvious. It was kind of uncomfortable where I was like, is the Star Destroyer there? They're in painted yellow with lowered with exhaust on it oh, <laughs> oh, no, no. i'm just saying like I, there's no other way i could have taken that like and i was and i was well what how old was i and i i got it but you know it didn't you know i didn't say anything about it until now i had to be reminded that we saw them really in the prequels where i was like i mean you know in the 70s i guess they thought that was acceptable a bunch of my friends were like chris no no this is this is being, <laughs> being asian it's fine with me i i actually get a kick out of it i i i could see how others could be offended by it or whatever but they're 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 supposed to be what what are they catfish Nemoidian. catfish <laughs> frogs whatever they are catfish frogs they're the Trade Federation, right? <laughs> but I bet you could cook them up nice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's next? All right. Rodai, have you noticed the animated reality universe that Strange and America Chavez bump into while tumbling towards the dinosaur in the trailer? Well, I mean, there's been some... Okay, so there has been some question when we see that, and you have to go really slow through the trailer to notice it. But as they're tumbling through, they pass through like a T-Rex fighting a triceratops stuff like that there has been some questions about okay was that a time travel thing that they're warping through time but two words that people have brought up is savage lands could we be looking at the savage lands is, is that something that i i didn't think they would ever bring that into the mcu but i'm rob you saw that do you think or was that just like a little visual easter egg that kevin <clears throat> feige loves to give us that doesn't really mean anything no, I, I, the Savage Land could definitely be something they're going for. It could be. I mean, because why not? You know, you could bring in Kazar. You could bring in, oh, there's so many, there's so many different characters. There's so many different things. Because, you know, in the Savage Lands, they play into the modern X-Men. There's all kinds of wacky stuff going all right. on there. Is it a T-Rex fighting the Triceratops? I thought it was a T-Rex fighting what, a Triceratops. What color is the T-Rex? They look like dinosaurs. They devil look like dinosaurs. regular cars. I was going to say, is it devil dinosaurs? Yeah, I was going to say, are you think devil dinosaurs? Yeah. Didn't they announce it? They've announced story? they're doing an animated devil yeah, dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, we did a story about that a yeah. couple years ago, about devil dinosaur. All right, what's next? All right. Elizabeth Rada. Oh, sorry, John Redcorn. It couldn't have been worse. Uh, it could have been worse. They could have gotten Kanye to host the Oscars. Oh, my God. No, actually, that might be entertaining in a car crash type of way. Yeah. Um, yeah. What who's the guy from Saturday Night Live did a response to Kanye that you Michael were reading? Michael Shea. Michael Shea. By the way, Michael Shea is really funny. He's really, he's got his can't uh, uh, stand up special too. But the I I've watched some YouTube videos about just these. Um, what do you call them when you there are a bunch of clips put together? Uh, compilation. A, compilation. I say not a collage. That's for a con I've seen these compilations of all of him making fun of Colin Jost. And the fact that he got to marry Scarlett Johansson. 
It is some of the funniest stuff that I've ever heard. But you were reading his response to Kanye, which I thought, oh my God, that is so classic. funny. You have, classic. Me, you have to pay me triple. <laughs> 90000 a year. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, Elizabeth Arado. It's game day. Oops, wrong Not day. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow's game tomorrow. day. Not game day anymore. You're right, Elizabeth. All right, what's next? Andy, between releasing The Fallout and Kimi this past month, HBO Max has been knocking it out of the park with its original movies for its streaming service. I, I'm telling you, I've said this. HBO Max, in as much as they have drop the ball on several things. Their launch was a complete mess. The dumbest and the dumbest idea in the world for their name when there was HBO, HBO Now and HBO Go. Let's create a new service called HBO Max. It's like, yeah. no, that didn't cause any confusion at all. The fact that they launched without being on all the platforms, the fact that they launched like all those problems in the day and day release stuff with Warner Brothers, despite all of that, they may be the best streaming service out there they might be the best somebody told me there's a new movie with david oyello on on hbo max called like the, oh, the girl in the yeah oh yeah somebody said so that good. was really really good i'm not familiar with this one it just dropped and i i saw a trailer for it and i was like this looks interesting the girl before the girl before okay yeah Whoa. it looks really good looks i know nothing really about cool. it and a friend of mine said yesterday dude you gotta watch this movie it's all really right, good i'll keep my ass open for it I'm all right like, what's all right. next all right kevin joyce Hoping Book of Boba Fett's performance doesn't incentivize Disney to lean heavier into cross-pollinization of characters requiring viewers to switch shows. Well, let's face it. That seems to be everything. That's not just them. That seems to be Marvel as well. But Marvel does. Everybody's just like, yay! <laughs> right? I mean, but and that's how everybody did too when Baby Grogu showed up. Come on, everyone. Yay! So listen, Disney right now seems to be going cameo happy. That gets the cheap pop. Now, but sometimes, Kevin Feige... Knows how to do the cameo pop really well and fit it into the story. So if they can do that, that'll be perfectly fine, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, what's next? All right, Pablo Z uh, Zuniga. Random question. What are you guys' favorite board games? Mine is Clue. Me too. Clue Anne has 14 versions of Clue. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She has, I, th I think it's 14. I think but does she have the classic made Star in a Trek lab? Clue? I know. Right? <laughs> Like, it does seem like she's made in did a lab. Did you weird science or wish really hard? Like, how does she exist? Did Wanda did Wanda Maximoff alter reality for yeah. me? Yeah, I, I know it is. I'm it, like just tick 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 tick. She is. Uh, yeah. Look seriously. Here's here's an example of how good I have it. All right. Like <laughs> last week, we're sitting around. We finished dinner. We were starting to do plans. So I'm like, oh, what do you want to do? And she's like, let's go to a game shop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go do that. And we <laughs> drive to Irvine. We go to the Spectrum Center. They got this great game shop where they got all the Magic the Gathering stuff, all the D&D stuff, all the Pathfinder stuff, all the role-playing game stuff, all the board games. That's when she bought the Dune board game. Uh, she, uh, she's she got all these games and everything like that. No, she's, she's pretty awesome. Uh, my favorite board game to this day Still has to be risk. That's mine. I, I mean, like, do you guys, do you play with the supply line rules or the pure rules? Pure. I, I actually like supply line just because it speeds the game up. But whatever. Yeah. But. Risk is so good. Have you ever played multiple world risk? No, but did you see the new board version that just came out? I, I That looks great. By the way, I've all, I'm late to the game. I am late to the game. But our friends, Lauren Spencer, last year got me introduced to Settlers of Catan. 
And I, I granted, I am late to the game, but that's a pretty infuriating, that, but very entertaining game. If you enjoy that game, game you are choosing violence. <laughs> yeah, I've never played it. I've only heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard mm -hmm. the yeah, but duration times of those games is not for me. No, no, actually, <laughs> we, the, every game I've heard that, but every time I've played, it's always been under an hour. Oh. When I've played. Well, wow. no, the one was longer than that. The one was longer than that. You should but, play multiple world risk. Multiple world risk is you play risk with multiple boards. And I, you decide where they connect. Do they connect at Argentina? Oof. Do they connect at Alaska? Because even a That's regular much. game of risk, like me and my, when I lived in Saskatoon, me and my buddies, we would get together with my buddy Kurt, uh, my buddy from from Lucasfilm, uh, my like a few of our friends. We would get together one night a week. We'd pop a movie on, whether it was Three Amigos or something, and we just got a bunch of the food and we just played risk those games could go like four or five hours yeah dude i college man we would so, we would play multiple world risk and it would last days do you guys have a favorite board game um yeah. it has to be life but uh, i, I like life but there's a south park monopoly that just came out and i don't like monopoly but i might like monopoly now <laughs> i have like two different i have two different star wars monopolies they have two different versions of star wars monopoly. do you have a favorite board game clue yeah clue oh that's yeah, right yeah. it was clue all right what's next all right. Um, Jaren. Hey, Chris, you must must watch Demon Slayer season two. I must watch Demon Slayer season one first. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I will do that. All right. What's next? Bobby Harris. AMC labeled the Batman as an artisan film. The Joker was the last DC film to receive this recognition. Yeah, I saw that. Somebody wrote to me the other night to mention that AMC gave their label of AMC artisan film, which is like, a film that they deem as somebody that is, is uh, like high in artistic merit and blah, blah, blah. They don't give it out to a ton of films, but I thought that was interesting that they did that. So that was a pretty good, interesting thing. All right, what's next? Bobby Harris. Oh, no, sorry. Mark, Net Mark Netto got the Batman tickets for the third. Yay! Yay! That's the opening. That's the Thursday preview night. Cannot wait. We're only a few weeks away, Mark. I hope we have a great time at it. All right, what's next? Tim Platt again. I started laughing like Mark Hamill's Joker after watching the Doctor Strange 2 trailer. What's the craziest response you've had to the trailer? Or had to a trailer, excuse me. Craziest response? I, I see, I'm, this is one of the reasons I do not do trailer reactions because I, I don't have ridiculous responses to trailers. Like I, I watch trailers like, ooh, wow, wow. Like, That's like, I me, love it, me but, too, I'm right there with you. I don't be like, oh my God. I mean, maybe like, with the Twister trailer when what the cow flies into the screen. But that yeah, was I, I mean, I, yeah, so I, I don't really have crazy reactions to trailers. Say any of you guys? I remember seeing the Guardians trailer and having Logan just lose his mind of just being like, they're making a Guardians movie? Yeah. I mean, that caught a lot of people yeah. by surprise. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Dylan Lindstrom. Hi, John and friends. Nude question. Just felt like supporting one of my favorite YouTube channels. Oh, thank oh, you, man. That's very nice. You've created a very positive community, and it should be celebrated. Keep up the great work. Uh, thanks, oh, thanks, Dylan. We appreciate that. You're probably a loser and a jerk, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, positive place to be. No, seriously, Dylan, thank you so much. It's always awesome when somebody wants to write in just for the express purpose of saying something encouraging and nice. So Dylan, thank you so much for that, man. We really appreciate that a lot, dude. And thanks for being a part of our community. All right, what's next? Uh, Yozlo, what do you think is the best way to get your podcast marketed to your, uh, out to the general public? Love the show. I, uh, I'm going to tell you something true. I've never once marketed anything at all. <laughs> I, never once, I never once marketed anything on the movie blog. I never once marketed anything when we were at AMC. I couldn't even get, it took me three years to get AMC 
to even put something about our existence in the theaters. Like, and it took me four or five years to get them to, they finally started right before we pulled the plug on everything. They finally started to put us on the pre-show, but it took me years to get that. I, I have never once, I even just had my ad rep call me the other day, Scott call me and say, Hey, maybe we should use some of the money to, to do a media buy and get some promotion on Spotify. I'm like, I don't do marketing. I don't do commercials. You want to know the best way here? Look, and this is the truth. Whenever somebody wants to ask me about podcasting and YouTubing and stuff like that, it's always the same first fucking question. It, well, a variation of the same question. It's either, how do I get more viewers and how do I make more money? And you're totally asking the wrong question. Real estate. Yeah, real estate. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> you're totally asking the wrong question. How do I get more viewers? Okay, let's visit that for a second. Is your podcast right now great? Because if it ain't great yet, why do you want to try to get more people to come? Because they ain't ever going to come back. Your focus should be on, like I, the, the questions I take more seriously when people ask me is, how do I make my show better? How do I increase my production value with little to no money? How do I make my videos better? How can I improve as a host? See, when people ask me those questions, I know to take them seriously. But 99% of the time, the first question is, how do I get my, my podcast in front of more people and how do I make more money? And it's like, dude, you're asking the wrong questions. You're totally asking the wrong questions. Because what's we always say, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. It's like, okay, why if you don't have your, your show right now, your podcast, your blog, your YouTube channel, where even you think it should be right now. Why would you want somebody to have their first their first impression of you now? Worry about getting those people to have their first impression with you once you get better or once you get to where you feel like you're in a good place. If not, what's the point? And as far as the making money thing goes, dude, that comes much later. Make a great show, build your audience, and then get there. And, and so, yeah, so I have never once bought a commercial. I have never once bought a banner ad. I have never once marketed anything. Everything I have ever done has always been based on, I hope my content is good enough that people will want to watch it and then two will want to share it with somebody else. Well, you just, you just isolated exactly the only way that you can have any success in this space. Mm. You, you have to have something that people like and watch and people they'll recommend to their their friends. Boobs, <laughs> and boobs. I don't laugh. I've, For a I've... podcast, right? <laughs> it's an audio Des format. Description of boobs. <laughs> description. Of boobs. Just describe him. Subscribe. <laughs> For a podcast. I. I mean, no, I mean, that's the lie of the day. But, but listen, that's the thing too. Like, I, there's still a part of me that feels my show is not good enough yet to buy commercials and buy marketing and buy, I, I, even then, and I've been doing this for like 15 years. So yeah, I, I just think if you're doing a podcast and you're asking, how do I get more viewers and how do I increase money? Then you are not where you need to be yet to even be worrying about those things. I will say this though. I did not know anything about the service like Spreaker, which is a podcast delivery service. And you told me about it. Now, I didn't market anything through Spreaker, but I started putting my podcast up. And yeah, but that started... wasn't about getting more viewers for your podcast. No. That was, hey, you've got a podcast. 
I, you know, you were looking for a good host for your but podcast. But I had never turned my YouTube show into a podcast. And it was interesting that mm. it, once it came out and you start doing a consistent level of and then people will find it and then they start sharing it. But like you said, John, the only reason, the only way is you have to make a show that people like and will share with their friends. That's it. And you, no, no amount of marketing is going to get people to listen to your show if your show isn't worth listening to. All right, let's get, we got to finish things off here. Uh, yeah. What do we got? Now we just have a bunch of support. Uh, Marie, Josh, Noah, Ultramatini8, Carl Bruss, all just sent in super chats to support the channel. Thank you guys. And by the way, Ultramatini8, Olorotomy8. Olorotomy8. Okay. Send it like a $50 super chat badge just to be supportive. Thank you for that, man. And of course, to Marie and Josh and Carl and Noah and all you guys who've been, who are supporting the show, yep, thank you guys Marie. so much. And guys, that'll do it for today's episode of The John Campbell Show. But listen, don't go anywhere yet, because I want to remind you about something. Today is Tuesday, which means it's the weekly meeting of Movie Club. We have Movie Club a little bit later today at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's about three hours and 20 minutes from now, when we are going to be talking about Iron Man 1. That's our, we're that's going our, back, John. We're going back to the first, the beginning of the years. MPU. For Iron Man 1, it's going to be me, Rob, and Ray. We hope you guys will come and join us for today's little meeting of Movie Club. Make sure you guys take some time this afternoon, get caught up on the movie again, and come and join us for that. But guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here. Big special thank you to you guys who sent in all the comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. Also, big thanks to all of our sponsors, ExpressVPN, HelloFresh, and Peloton. Thank you guys for supporting today's episode of the show. Guys, visit those sponsors. Show them that them supporting the John Campy Show actually works. So go in and do, uh, go and support them as well. And I want to thank, of course, Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Ora, Chris Carr, and all of you guys at home. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campy, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.